ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Hey guys, I sat down with Kong Valley Collective Legend Officer Chad Bracken. We get into losing yourself outdoors, dealing with the stress of the job, and an epic 2018 season. Enjoy the episode. So we're on with Officer Chad Bracken. Chad, man, I appreciate you taking time out of your evening, man. I know you're at uh, firearms training there. Appreciate you. Appreciate your time, man. Uh, We'll jump right into it here. And why don't you give us a little intro and background on yourself? All right. Thanks, man. Guy, I really appreciate it. Uh, first and foremost, uh, thank you for having me on it. I'm, uh, definitely, a, a pleasure. Um, another thing is before we get started, I hope you don't get too mad, but I have to, I have to drop this. I know you're out in LA. Um, I come from the Midwest to move out West, but there's this big argument on burger joints, man. So I have to go ahead and throw it out there, dude. <laughs> I mean, is in and out, in and out burger. I mean, I mean, I'm sure have you had it. Yeah. Oh, of course. Would you would you consider one of the best burger joints? I got a lot of guys I work with from Cali, and you know I've you know I moved out here. Everybody with Salt Lake being close to where I'm at, I tried it, and I'll be honest, man, I I was kind of I was disappointed. So I, I wanted to get that out of the way right up front. With you. <laughs> okay, that's a rough one, right? Because you know uh, I like a yeah, good burger, it is, man. man. I mean. It, as far so as I, I just drive being through, a Cali boy, yeah. As, as far as drive-through fast food burger goes, it's the spot, right? Uh, yeah. If you're talking a gourmet type sit-down, you know, burger, then ah, it's probably not. But uh, yeah, as far as right. fast yeah, food that's, goes, that's what, and, yeah. All these guys out here go, oh man, In and Out Burger. And so I had to, I had to ask you that at least <laughs> once. Like I said, for fast food burgers, I thought it wasn't that bad, but if you get a chance, you got to check, 
uh, Shake Shack out, and you know, I even Whataburger down in down south and stuff. But I, I just wasn't that impressed. But I had to, I had to throw that out there. <laughs> well, you know what they they do have <laughs> like a a secret menu. You know how they have those secret menus. Oh yeah, they, they told me it all, man. Hey, try animal style. Get the Neapolitan shake, and man, I you know a good buddy where I'm at owns a restaurant. He tried it. And he didn't. He didn't think it was all that great, man. Uh, so I, I just had to ask because yeah. I, I mess with the guys from Cali that I work with all the time. So I'd rather a steak and shake but, over uh, in and out. I'll tell you that, man. Yeah, right on. So, uh, no, man, thanks for having me. But uh, no, my name's Chad Bracken. Um, I grew up um, in Flint, Michigan. I was born and raised there, man. Uh, parents split up at a young age. Uh, I was fortunate enough, even though uh, coming from a kind of a bigger city um, on my father's side, I kind of grew up with hunting background. My grandfather hunted, uh, dad hunted, which uh, led me to get into uh, hunting conservation as well as I was very blessed enough that my mother's side of the family, cousins, uncles, relatives, uh, all hunted. So, um, hunting and outdoors, man, I, I grew up with it. Um, from a young age at five years old, man, I started with my dad going up to Northern Michigan, uh, for the whitetail season, you know, up there, we primarily hunted ground blinds and, and tree stands and, um, so I started at five years old, just, you know, kind of following my pops to the woods. Couldn't sit very long at sitting still things, you know, hard. And even nowadays after living out West, it's, it's hard to do, but if you can be patient, it's worth it. So I uh, started kind of just hanging out in the blinds and tree stands with my dad or mostly blinds at that age, uh, sitting on his lap and kind of uh, just got to see it. And, you know, and just till this day, man, um, honestly, kind of chokes me up a little bit because those are some of my fondest memories man with my father you know um being i live so far away now i don't get to see him as much as i used to but those are by far the memories that i just remember the most growing up as a kid is just going up to the northern michigan with my dad and just the campfires the hunting just everything about the outdoors man i i took in at a young age and uh i loved it so as i kind of got <laughs> Young, older as a as a um, younger pup, I guess I would say. Um, you know, I started to get into it. Um, started to get uh, to the age where I think in Michigan at the time you had to be 12 years old to legally carry a bow and 14 for a rifle or shotgun. Um, I can remember till this day, and I think it's as we speak, the tree stand's still there. But I set my first tree stand up, and some might not agree with it, but at the time there in, in the Midwest and. Uh, the doe to buck ratio wasn't the greatest, but we, we used bait sites, which in some states allow, you know, corn, sugar beets, things and that such. But uh, I can remember to this day, I set a tree stand up, and and it was the first night we got this ladder stand up, man. And I had a, I think a Browning Micros bow. I mean, if you guys follow me on Instagram or anything like that, I'm probably still the same height as I was then. <laughs> so the draw length was probably, probably still the the 25, 26 inch draw length. But uh, it was just a little junior bow, man, and you know, and the, you know the arrows were about the size of a crossbow, as short as I was, and I can remember, uh, you know, to this day, sitting there and having a big old uh, white tail, a fat doe come into the feed pile, man, and I end up smoking her. Um, I imagine twelve or thirteen yards. I didn't shoot very far, you know, and this is before even. I'm sure they were thought of then, but I didn't have a range finder. You know, you kind of paced out your your uh, your your bait pile yeah your distance so you kind of just eyeballed it and practiced at that that uh distance at that age and i can remember hitting that doe man and i just it was like you know first of all getting your own back and i had buck fever like no other 
I mean, I can remember that and how I even got my bow pulled back and even to aim steady enough to, to get the shot off and let alone, you know, double longer. I can remember to this day hitting her, hearing it smack, running uh, to grab my arrow. My dad was probably about half a mile down the trail. And, uh, you know, I bet you I, Usain Bolt had nothing on me that day, man. <laughs> I was flying down the trail with an arrow. And I think my pops knew as soon as he seen me that, you know, that, it, I, that it got one down. So, yeah, we end up uh, end up going to track. And she ran about 100 yards and ended up finding it. And then uh, to kind of make the trip that same weekend, you know, at the time I was in school. So we were the typical, you know, weekend warriors, which there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that Sunday morning, my dad ended up uh, harvesting a doe too. And uh, I remember, you know, we had other kids in our camp and everything. And I was just, you know, bragging. And, you know, I was, you know, on top of the world and let alone that my dad had get one the same weekend. So we ended up, you know, at that age, I thought it was cool, but we got matching t-shirts and it was just, you know, and that honestly guy was the first, um, my first love, man, it was archery hunting. That's what really got me hooked. You know, I love any type of hunting, but, um, that that moment there, I was hooked after I got that at 12 years old. It was a wrap for me for archery hunting. So, uh, yeah, so I ended up uh, the following year, finally get my second deer, a small little buck with a rifle. And, uh, I mean, I just continued all throughout, you know, grade school, middle school, and and uh, high school and on to college. Um, ended up getting a job uh, after graduating um, college and high school there with General Motors, which if any of you guys or you guys are familiar with the Midwest, I mean, the auto industry is is a is a big deal there so i ended up getting a job with them and um unfortunately um they went bankrupt uh, i forgot what year it was so i decided to go back to school and and i always had an interest um in law enforcement um even in in high school i took some classes and uh, i just i always you know i hate to sound like the typical guy but i always had you know some type of interest i knew i wanted to be um, in law enforcement so at 21 years old man i started putting my apps in everywhere um and there was something about out west, man, Utah, Montana, Idaho, Wyoming, uh, just watching, you know, growing up as a kid um, on the outdoor channel. I, I just was obsessed with elk and mule deer hunting. So that's kind of what kind of landed me to uh, aim my sights towards west. And I applied applications everywhere, man. And the first one that stuck and and uh, gave me a call, um, I was out here. So I moved out to Wyoming and uh, I believe it was 2010. Uh, started a career out here in, uh, with the uh, Department of Corrections, worked there for a few years, and now I currently reside as a police officer in the state of Wyoming. Um, yeah, man, so it's it's been a good career for me, very rewarding. Um, rough times and, and high times, just like in every career, but. That's not a bad place to land either, man. You talk about hunting. No, it's, it's no, it's not. And like I said, that's kind of, I did my research. So, I mean, as far as, being a land of opportunities, you know, I know some of these other states, Utah, Colorado, each has their own distinct, um, you know, seasons or, or any type of thing for outdoors, um, per se. But I, uh, I'm very blessed to, to land in the state because, uh, really the, the opportunities, man, are just unreal here. I mean, a guy can, um, really I do a lot of things in the state outdoors, whether it be hunting, snowmobiling, camping, fishing. I mean, you name it here. I mean, I'm truly in God's country. So, I, uh, I landed out here and, uh, you know, it took me quite a while, man, I, um, to get used to this Western style hunting. You know, I'll be honest, like I said, I, I, uh, I do a lot of camping and we do some hiking, things like that, but hunting is definitely 
definitely my uh, forte. And so I, uh, it took me a few years. Um, the first year I got out here, um, you know, I just wasn't used to the spot and stalk, you know, I'd watched it on TV and, uh, read some books and magazines. And I loved Eastman Sportsman's Journal. I used to get the Mealy Crazy magazines. And, you know, I ordered all these, you know, in high school, just cause I was kind of obsessed with the mule deer and, and elk. And, uh, it took me quite a while to get used to it. Um, probably my second year here, I ended up, uh, getting a really good, good deer, uh, just beginner's luck. I'd tell everybody, um, spot and stalk. And, uh, that was my first experience with a mule deer, man. And that really got me, got me hooked. Um, just the archery style spot and stalk. Doesn't so, like it, man. There's I, nothing like no, it. No, yeah, you, you bring people out here and they're like, man, the things you guys do for animals out here. So I, uh, I end up, you know, having a couple, several, several curving, uh, curve, curve years as far as learning, man, uh, curving, curving learns. And, uh, you know, I kind of, I learned a lot and still just like every hunter, man, I learned something every year. And so I, uh, my first year hunting elk was probably in 2013. I kind of moved from one side of the state to the other. And, um, you know, I wasn't nothing special, but I can remember, uh, our rifle season over here in the Southwest, uh, area of Wyoming where I'm at getting a spike elk. And, you know, I never truly realized how big they were, um, until I, I, I harvested my first one. And I mean, it was just, you know, I was amazed, you know, I knew they were bigger than deer, but you know, you know, as well as I do, man, once you see one down and you walk up to it, it's like, you know, this is cool, but wow, how am I going to get this out of here? When they first walk up <laughs> to you screaming in your face at 10, 12 yards, you're looking at that thing. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. So yeah. So I, you know, I, and, uh, that was my, you know, my first elk and ever since then I've kind of ran with it. Um, I, uh, <clears throat> you know, I, I primarily would like to tell everybody I'd mostly like to archery hunt. Uh, but any type of hunting man um, out here, I um, I try to avoid rifle hunting sometimes because I think another podcast and it's not that I don't love it because, you know, I've taken some good animals with rifles. But um, you've mentioned before, man, it, it gets a little crazy during rifle season sometimes with the, oh, yeah. uh, the rifle hunter, especially public land. But also, like I tell everybody out here, you know, the opportunities. Um, you just, you never know. I mean, because every year guy, I tell myself, I'm not going to go out opening day. I have the day off. And what do I do every year? Go out. I go out opening day. <laughs> Can't because you it. just never know, man. It's just the unknown. You never know. There might be that one animal, that one elk or that one buck that you might not have seen, but it got pushed out and you know, everything happens for a reason. I'm a firm believer in that. So, um, but yeah, any chance I get to, man, I'm, I'm hitting it out here. Uh, you know, um, I just, nothing like, uh, hunting elk, um, in September, man. I just, there's nothing like it. And that's kind of what's hooked me in this area, the Southwest corner. I'm actually in the same area. Uh, Cale Newton is, I don't know if you knew that or not. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. So I was in, yep, yep. I was in Evanston last year, um, and, okay, hunted, yep. and hunted that Southwest corner of Wyo. So we were just, uh, basically on that, that Wasatch yep. area there, um, I think I was probably yep, so he's, four to six miles from the from the Utah border there in that south corner. Yeah, it's, it's gorgeous country over there. But uh, well, I'm in County Six, just like his his company. I'm in I'm in County Six here in Rollins, Wyoming. So, um, yeah. So, but yeah, man, I just you know I landed out here and and then not to get ahead on, on topics and things like that. But I just you know um, you can't beat the hunting out here where I'm at. I mean, I absolutely love. Uh, the Western style of hunting and the opportunities that it's given me, the state, and just 
um, the knowledge for these creatures out here, man, is amazing. And it's just a, it's a, just a 180 compared to where I came from. And, you know, and I get a lot of family members nowadays asking, you know, Hey, when are you coming back or when are you moving back? And, and the mountains got me, brother. Never. And they, <laughs> they do. Yeah. I can't, I can't live without them. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why I started up, you know, Facebook and Instagram, you know, I, I'd like to make my family members jealous. You know, I know, you know how competitive, unfortunately, Social media can be pretty competitive. So when you post pictures, you try not to post certain areas and stuff like that. But I love to post pictures, man. And it's primarily not to, to, to brag or anything by that means. It's, you know, I get a lot of family out of state and they're all hunters. And, uh, you know, every, every time I post pictures or when draw, you know, draw time comes around or preference points, my inbox is full. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, yeah. So there's a couple folks that I've talked to back east, man, and and you know you hear this eastern eastern versus western, and what's what's your take on it? I'm not saying which one is better, right? Because if you're if you're from the east and you that's how you hunt, that's how you hunt. But contrast, you know, the tree stand blind thing to western hunting. I mean, which one which one just you know trips your trigger, so to speak? Cause I'm a little bit intrigued Man. with the tree stand thing, but I'm not sure about that, that I, I don't think I could sit there for as long as some of these guys do. And then that, for the lack of a better word, that ambush style, I don't know. I, I just, I'm, I'm there, but I'm not there. Yeah. I mean, they're both very, you know, distinct in their own ways. You know, I growing up, that's all I ever knew was tree stand hunting. And I, until this day, you know, if, if, if you or anybody in my family members said, Hey, let's go back East and hunt whitetails. You know, I think that's about any hunter or anybody that's, you know, in conservation and they get a, any chance to do anything, you know, in outdoors. Sure. But I mean, till this day, I mean, if someone calls and says, Hey, let's go whitetail hunt. I mean, I'm on board, but yeah, I mean, just growing up tree stand hunting, man. I mean, there was a, uh, you know, there's prep preparation and everything. Um, but like I said, we grew up kind of younger age, you know, growing just to kind of get the feel for things you know, we use bait. And then as I got older, you know, in, in high school and things like that, you know, it's, you're looking for more rubs, you're looking for runs, things of that nature for, you know, because, you know, those bucks didn't, the bigger bucks didn't come into to bait sites. You know, you really had to catch them off guard unless they were in rut when they're kind of a little dumber than what they usually are. But, uh, you know, you definitely have to have patience in a tree stand, man. I mean, you, 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 could set, you know, days on end and not see an animal and, and move to a different location and you maybe wind's not going right. So you got to switch up a location because of the wind, you know, and you're just not seeing that a lot of activity, I know, compared to, to Western hunting. Um, you, you know, if you don't like what you're seeing or if you're not seeing any type of activity, you know, you get up and, and you take off hiking and go and spot and glass another area. Um, I think that the thing that, really intrigues me the most about Western hunting, man, is, you know, and you know, as well as I know, man, not everybody can do it. I mean, people can say they do it, but it, it <laughs> takes, it's a different type of animal. You know, it's, it, you have to be, you know, uh, you have to be in shape, man. I mean, especially if you're in the archery, you know, out here, it's, it's, you, you, these mountains can eat you alive and, and you know that, you know? So I think that's the biggest thing is, is just hard work and, you know, I know I just a little bit ago, I was, you know, talking about the elk, but I mean, when you do have a success, uh, successful hunt, you know, and you have to pack that animal out, I just, I like hard work, man. It makes, makes for good war stories, 
you know, um, you know, and that's one of the biggest things for out West is, you know, after you get an animal down and, you know, you might not get out till three or four in the morning after you get that deer or elk down and, but you, and you work for it, man. There's and, uh, that's that. just really, yeah, it is, you know, and it, that's the biggest thing that intrigues me about out West is you, you have to grind it out. You have to work, you have to prepare, you know, I'm not saying you have to go out there and, and be Cameron Haynes by any means, but you know, you have to, there's preparation in it, man. We're, and it's not speaking bad on East, you know, you know, the Eastern side of things of hunting, but you take an Eastern hunter and whether it's altitude, it could just be altitude that they have to overcome. But there's, it's just a different type of work and different type of grind, man. And that's what intrigues me the most. You know, I, I don't know if anybody follows me or have ever seen, you know, I, I'm definitely into fitness, not only because of my career choice and career field that I, I pick, but, um, you know, as I get older, I gear a lot of my workouts and um, towards you know, for hunting, just, you know, what can I do to be a better hunter and prepare myself better? And that's honestly, man, the Western hunting, you know, after getting elk down or, or deer or whatever, you know, and, and you successfully completed that hunt. And, you know, from years on in, we're all talking about it at the campfires, a podcast, whatever, man. I mean, it's just, I love it. You know? Yeah. Those pack so, outs, man. Yeah. That's that, something about them. Yeah, you know, it does. And they make for great stories and, and some are better and, and, and easier than others, but it's, it's great, man. I just, I truly love it. Um, and I, I wouldn't have it any other way. That's what I'm talking about, man. So that's funny, you know, uh, with that, with the tree stand thing, I, that was actually some jabs. I'm going to just say Dan Trout. <laughs> I want to, I want to jab my buddy Dan Trout there, man. So how did your 2018 season go? Man, I was, uh, it was epic, man. And there's no other word to describe it. I mean, I was, you know, I touched on how blessed I am and the opportunities here in Wyoming that we had as far as game-wise and tags. And uh, I had a very busy 2018 season. I don't think I saw my wife, but maybe passing and going uh, on, on work days, and that's about it. I mean, all my days off and vacation time is spent September through, through October uh, chasing game. But uh, it started out, you know, just, you know, just like any other guy in Wyoming or out of stater, um, you know, you kind of put in for those trophy areas um, in hopes to kind of better your odds and a, maybe a bigger animal than, than, than an over-the-counter general tag. Um, and I ended up actually, um, I kind of do the same program every year. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to put in for antlerless cow, elk, um, doe, doe antelope and doe deer. So I kind of always put in for those just in case you know, to fill, to try to, you know, put some meat on the table and fill the freezer and to get some extra meat, man. Um, you know, we, you know, say it as a lot of times as hunters and I know anybody listening or, you know, um, everybody I eat, you know, what I harvest. And that's definitely the case, you know, not only myself, I got in-laws here, um, in the same town where I live. Um, they eat it as well as, uh, all my cousins and family. I'm kind of like the, uh, the go-to guy when they all find out I'm heading back to Michigan. Um, I mean, it's like Christmas time because I load up the coolers full of elk and deer meat, antelope, mountain lion, whatever I get my hands on and kind of bring it back to and uh, all the family members. So they look forward to it. So I ended up uh, drawing two antlerless uh, doe antelope tags and two antlerless deer tags uh, for starters, not meaning to, um, just applying on the website, man, I wasn't paying attention. I got these little fat stubby fingers, I guess. And, 
went to hint quantity, not knowing, and uh, I thought I hit one. Well, I hit two for the same area for both species, um, as well as I put in for uh, cow elk. And uh, so I drew um, so two doe tags for antelope and two doe tags for deer, as well as an antlerless cow tag. And that's not to yeah to mention you know the over the counter general elk tag we get here and the deer. So uh, I I'd have to use my fingers. You know, cops aren't good at math, but eight tags, seven, seven, eight tags. I had. Yeah, yeah. So man, I had my hands full. You know, uh, not to mention, like I said, the over the counter tag. So I, uh, you know, just like any other season, man, kind of started you know scouting early in the summer, putting some trail cameras and things like that. Um, <clears throat> I'd like to say that that elk in September. I mean, it's just it's. And you can probably agree with me, man. I, you know, I know we all have a, a favorite animal that we like to chase, but I love chasing elk in September when they're screaming. But there's something about, and it's probably because I haven't completed the task, but velvet mule deer, man. I don't know what it is about it. I just think they're so pretty and gorgeous and in and, and velvet. Yeah, so I kind of do the, the same schedule every year. I take the first week off of September uh, in hopes to try and catch a, you know, a, a buck in velvet just because it's, I think it's just the fact that I maybe I haven't got one, but they're gorgeous. So I end up taking the first couple of days off, and uh, unfortunately, um, it falled opening day of archery season this year in September. Um, falled on uh, it fell on fall. That's my education there. Uh, fell on uh, Memorial Day, so which is great. You know, it gets people out there and everything like that, but it's not the best hunting conditions sometimes with campers and generators and, and, uh, you know, side by sides and four wheelers and that such. So you try to get away from the road as, as far as you can. Um, but actually to back you up, not to jump ahead, but I, I ended up, uh, in, in August, uh, filling one of my doe tags, man. Um, in 2018, uh, I took a good buddy with mine. I went a couple of times by myself, also, I had a, a buck tag that I drew. I forgot to mention that's where the eight came in. I drew an antelope buck tag, so uh, I stand corrected. I had three antelope tags, a buck, uh, two does. Yeah, so here in Wyoming, antelope starts for archery August 15th. And I kind of always look forward to at least drawing a doe tag. I know I said the meat and everything, which that's a very important part of the process for me as well. But it also gets me out a little bit earlier, man. If I could get out, especially with a stick and string in my hand, and get out earlier in August, man, I, that's, you know, that's a, a win for me. So I end up uh, going out quite a few times in this area. I had a buck tag in my pocket as well as two does. And man, and it just goes to show you, you know, that first stock on a uh, group of does, I seen how smart those animals, I don't know if you've ever hunted antelope or not, but those are by far, I think one of the hardest animals uh, in the Western side of the States to hunt with, uh, with a, bow and arrow man I, yeah i just you know some people say oh it's easy but i don't know what it is i don't know if it's because i got that peripheral vision or or what but those things are like the white ghost i mean they're just they are hard to hunt i don't care what anybody says you know you you got to be able to shoot um, some long distance too with our truth those animals so i end up putting a couple blown stalks man and uh, you know first couple uh, days of the season open and kind of was seen a couple decent bucks and uh you know, just like anybody else, um, you know, I'm not in it for the antlers, um, but it, it's always a perk. But just I, I drew some antelope tags before, and I kind of wanted to, to set a kind of a goal. And 
than what I wanted to get as far. And especially with two doe tags in my pocket. So I was being a little bit bigger than usual, especially with a bow and arrow in my hand. So I ended up uh, taking a good buddy out and um, we ended up seeing a, a group of does um, beyond a crest hill and everything like that. And it wasn't nothing too uh, treacherous as far as terrain, you know, it was a little steep little hill just, and it was just perfect, man. I mean, the, these uh, does were bedded down um, and, and we kind of ranged it how, where they were bedded down to where we would probably approximately come over on the hill there. And I think we ranged at 50, 60 yards. So it was definitely doable and took us, you know, probably 20, 30, 40, 30, 40 minutes to get around the, uh, the hill and take our time and kind of came over the top man, and it kind of worked out and uh, i don't know if you ever hunted antelope but they kind of like mule deer or, or even whitetail they kind of make that snort wheeze and it's kind of a different sound for antelope i don't know if you've ever experienced that but no. it's it's hard to explain yeah it's it's man it's like a i it's 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 not even i can't even describe it man it's like a a bee like a bee buzzing around or something but a real <laughs> short short breath it's just weird man it's kind of took me off guard the first time i've ever heard him do it but anyways a couple minutes seen me um some smaller buck had seen me made that noise as well as some does well unfortunately for one she was kind of facing the other way not knowing what was going on i ranged her and i think she was approximately 63 64 yards had a good buddy there and uh ended up drawing back um and uh making a pretty good shot on her man she didn't run very far and that was kind of the start to my season. So it was good confidence booster, you know, August and I already have an animal down with a, with a bow and arrow. So I end up uh, harvesting her, getting her taken care of. And like I said, uh, a little bit earlier, I took the first week off of September on um, hopes to kind of, um, you know, find a decent muley and velvet. And, uh, the first couple of days were just like animal hunting, man, blowing stalks and a lot of hard work and sweat and, couple close calls and uh never really sealed the deal um i actually also had a bear pocket one of the other perks that have been in wyoming man was having a bear uh, tag over the counter bear have kind of been my uh arsenal if you will i guess um you know i just i came close a few times or never had a tag in my pocket when i seen them so i i carried a, a bear tag this year and end up, you know, it was Memorial weekend, like I said. So I, I went to a far away from the, the, you know, the main thoroughfares and two tracks and set up a spotting scope. And I don't know why guy you know, for the life of me to this day, I don't know why I did it. Cause I'd never do it. But for some reason I took my release off once I got there. And, uh, anybody, yeah, anybody knows that when you just like my dad or, you know, told me if you, if you got a tag in your pocket, you never have your rifle or your bow in your backpack, or you always have your release on, you know, cause you just never know. And, uh, man, for some reason, that particular evening, I took my uh, release off, was fumbling in my backpack, got the spotting scope set up. I think I went to grab a power bar or something and, and heard a twig snap. And I really wasn't sure what it was. It kind of almost sounded like maybe a chipmunk or a squirrel, you know, just wasn't heavy enough to sound like a big game animal. Well, for some reason, I said, well, I better grab my release. And my release, mind you, at this time is, is probably five feet behind me. You know, I was had my feet kind of dangling over the edge and I was just taking the view in, honestly. I mean, it was just a gorgeous day and uh, I can't describe to you in person or in, in words, but I mean, the view I had was, you know, something you would see on a postcard. So I, for some reason, just said, yeah, I better put my release on, heard that. And uh, I just got to thinking, I don't know why in the world I, I thought like that, 
because it just wasn't well enough. But I said, I need to grab my release because on the way in here, I saw a lot of bear signs, you know, and bear activity. And I said, well, if it's a bear, well, as I turn around to get up and get my release, I see a flash of black kind of take off. And long and behold, you know, I'm kind of slapping myself in the face. I'm like, that was a bear. Are you kidding me right now, Chad? <laughs> so I, I rush and scramble. I mean, you thought I was Detroit Lions running back man for a fumble. You know, I just reached down, started grabbing stuff and kind of took off about five yards. And, and right there in the path was a black bear. Uh, pretty good boar, too. And uh, so I'm racing to grab an arrow of the quiver and, and get it on. And, and if anybody's hunted black bear, um, I know we talked about bear, mostly grizzlies in some of your podcasts, but they're pretty skittish, man. And uh, this thing took off like, yeah, took off uh, like, like, yeah, like nobody's business. So I ended up, uh, you know, I was upset at myself and that was, um, you know, it was just disappointing because that's it's kind of been one of my bucket list. Um, growing up, growing up in Michigan, we had black bear, but it's, uh, it's very hard to draw the tag. So it's kind of on my bucket list and I had, you know, had the opportunity and, and, uh, just, I guess everything happened for a reason and it didn't work out. Yeah. It happens to the so, best of us though, man. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I knew better. And, and, uh, for, like I said, for some reason, man, I till this day, I don't know why I took my release off and, and, uh, I did and I, there's no excuse for it, but it happened. It wasn't I've, you. I've left yeah. mine in the truck, walked in the woods four or five miles and then, look like uh what the heck's going on here man oh yeah and you know i've done that growing up in michigan and tree stand and it's like you know you know as well as i do now if you're set up today's technology with all the advanced technology we have in archery man you know some people go oh, why do you use your fingers and you're yeah. just like yeah you, yeah we'll, we'll get back to camp and i'll try one of my uh half fleshed arrows or broken arrows or something and, and show you we with just fingers and we'll show you how that works out yeah, I started carrying the extra so release it, in my pack, man, just in case I I brain fart, right? And you know, at least I I have the go to learn that kind of lesson. Yeah, and so absolutely, man. And and and, and you know, I say I don't know what caused me to take it off, and I have to say there's probably a little percentage that says I know why. It's funny you say that because I think it's two years before that. Um, my my wife, I'm sure she'll listen to this, but she was with me. Um, but I kind of had the same scenario with a big bear before, man. And, and I've had this released. It was like a, um, I can't think the, the brand now for the life of me, but it, for the first time ever in my life, I had a release the, the spring shoot off the side. I don't know if you ever had that happen or oh, not. No. And yeah, so I had that shoot off the side and break and there was a bear right there. And, and I, I'm just, I don't know if it was cause I'm too rough on my release. Cause it wasn't that, that old. So that's always in the back of the line. And uh, you're absolutely right, man. I Now I, I have two releases, you know, one in my pack and then one on me. So for that reason. Yeah, so I uh, end up, you know. No, go ahead, man. I was going to say, I started shooting a back tension um, after last season. And I've been very, very nervous about my ability to use that in the field. Um, and I keep it in the side of my bino harness and I went out, uh, was that Saturday? I think it was Saturday. I went out on a, on a pig hunt, man. And, um, all day long, I'm just looking in that pouch, looking in that pouch, looking in the pouch and I'm going, man, this is crazy. Um, and it worked out, right. It stayed in there secure, but man, I was like, I'm, I might just grab my wrist strap and put, put that index back on to save myself the headache, you know? 
Right. So that was it was odd, man. It was odd, but it worked out. Yeah, I ended up harvesting a turkey and uh, didn't have any problems, man. Went for it, you know, knocked it on, and yeah, it was actually pretty nice. Yeah, I seen that, man. Congratulations! I forgot to tell you earlier. Yeah, he was a he was a byproduct of getting my ass kicked by a pig, man. That is, either way, man, that's a win, dude. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, you know, I've, I've kind of been looking at those releases as well. And I, uh, you know, I, I know my wife will be listening here shortly, but you know, I, I try to, I, I've really slowed down. I kind of used to be one of those guys that used to try to get a bow at least every few years. And I've kind of had this one longer than what I, I normally do. So I'm going to hold off to the new release and, and, and bow until hopefully next year give the, the old Hoyt one more, more, one more run at it. But yeah, that's definitely uh one of those releases is definitely kind of on my, my to-do list or bucket list for as far as equipment. I, uh, wise. I'm, I have mixed feelings about it at this point, right? Because I was like, all right, let me see how this improves the shot process. and my shot get any better, but I'm not really a target panic guy. So I've really never had mm-hmm. an issue with the index, right? I thought, you know, maybe I'll see some, some improvement just cause I'm, I'm anal about hitting that, you know, that, one hair right um right and i really can't say that i've seen much of an improvement with it so i you know i i don't know i don't know maybe if a guy has target panic but i i don't know i like it but you know it's just it's something new after 20 years archery hunting with the same thing it's kind of like eh. yeah you you revert back to what you know or what you get comfortable with man and i've always you know just around the wrist and and that's what I've been comfortable with. So, you're, you know, that's the problem I think I would have, too, is steering away from, you know, what you know and what you've been successful with. If it ain't broke, don't fix you know, it. why fix it? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, like it was just, said. It, it kind of, you know, it's a venture in can I be any more accurate than I am already, right? I mean, you get anal about that. And like I said, I'm I'm anal about hitting that spot, right? I want to I wanna put that pin where I want it, and I want that arrow to hit where I want it. And so, you know. It's like tuning an arrow, right? You can geek out on tuning an arrow and geek out on the release. But with that, I, I don't know. I just haven't seen that much of a difference. Yeah. So, but yeah, man. So after I'm um, kind of had my head down on that bear incident, I you know hunted the first couple of days, um, you know, and I primarily um, solo hunt for the most part um, as far as archery um, used the first couple of weeks. Um, I also, I'm, <clears throat> got a brother he's uh active military he's been in the marine corps for 18 years and uh the last probably i'd say five years i think he's only drawn one tag that he's put in for but uh man i'm blessed and fortunate enough um you know he comes out here um usually one week during hunt season just to hang out with me man so uh you know i primarily uh solo hunt during archery season and then towards the end usually once the elk really start kicking in the rut he comes out um, that's, you know, it's just a blessing that he does that and uh, uses vacation time for it. And, uh, I look forward to it every year, you know, with us being older and him having a family and living so far apart, you know, I really cherish that time with us, uh, together in September and looking, that's one of the biggest things I look forward to. So, um, you know, I chased a few, few set of my days off, kind of had both tags in my pockets and kind of switched gears, man. Mule deer were were uh, kind of kicking my butt and uh i don't know i actually um had a goal set in mind this year man um you know i've taken some very respectable animals and you know i'm not a trophy hunter by any by any means 
but I kind of had a goal this year um, that I wanted to to get, you know, a, a good gear with an over-the-counter tag, you know, and kind of um, raise the bar a little bit as far as on a personal level for me. Um, you know, I've taken anything from small bucks to some respectable ones, but I just, for some reason, I had a goal set this year. And, uh, you know, especially with having those doe tags in my pocket, made it a little bit easier. Um, I uh, seen a couple decent bucks, but I decided not to pull the trigger and, and kind of was getting my butt whooped on mule deer the first two weeks or a week and a half or something like that. So uh, my wife ended up going out of town. She does her annual um, Disney World trip with her family. It's the same thing every year. I know she's listening. She's going to say, well, hunting is the same thing every year too. But I'm like, no, it's not, babe. But uh, she does her annual trip. So I kind of got stuck at home and, and, and doing the home thing with the dogs and camping living cool on the home front. Well, I uh, end up getting a day or two off from work and shooting out to a place close to the home there. And um, it was a, a, a area that's a, a special area as far as uh, antlerless, or um, excuse me, antlered elk. It's a special draw area. But I drew an antlerless tag in there. And it's relatively close to town really good area for some good bulls but i had a cow tag and i drew it for that reason um or put in for it because it was close to town and i figured there'd be days i could maybe shoot out of work and make it out there within 20 minutes and be hunting and i i went out uh, one morning hunt and i man it was one of those days where it was hard for me to get out of bed and you're it's a little bit different when you're you get a little bit of a drive and you're in your own bed instead of being out there you know either whether you back back in or you got a base camp or anything like that so I kind of got a late start, man. And, you know, in this area that I was heading to, they're doing a lot of industrial work. There's a lot of big changes there. Uh, there's a wind farm heading in. And I hadn't been there since last year. And I, I wish I could give you this cool story that I, you know, I scouted and, and, and had trail cameras set up and, and I had everything planned out. But I was kind of just leaving it. Went to an area a few years before that I, I knew there was elk in there. And, and I completely forgot, man, that they were doing industrial work and they're putting up some wind farms. So I kind of get in that area and you're seeing, you know, guys on, you know, tractors and backhoes and everything else. And there's these storage pots and I'm thinking to myself, yeah, there's no elk, you know, and, and mind you, it's probably 730. It's been about an hour, hour and a half uh, since sunrise. And I kind of drive my truck around the corner, man. And I get uh, my GPS out, obviously. And I come around a corner after thinking, I'm like, yeah, I'm wasting my time. And it wasn't a hundred yards off the road. There was a head of elk. So I kind of in my truck, you know, I'm like, oh, crap. So I put my truck in park and kind of get out. And they're on public land, but they're they're pretty close to private. Um, they're kind of without a reach. And, you know, with a rifle, I could have sealed the deal, I'm sure. But every bow hunter's uh, saying I would take it, you know, just just out of that comfort zone. But you're thinking to yourself, why? If I had a rifle right now, you know, and it was rifle season. But uh, so I seen them and. I kind of just watched him, man, you know, any, any day out in God's country or out in the mountains is, is, is just a blessing. But, you know, I'm just watching it and, you know, I'm thinking to myself, obviously this uh, industrial work hasn't really messed up the patterns with elk um, because there was a, probably a head of like 60, 60 cows and one uh, very respectable and nice six by six that uh, on any given day, if I had a, a tag in my pocket for that area, I would, would not hesitate to, pull the trigger on the release or the rifle, man. So I kind of just watched him for a second and uh, just watched him mosey on the private because there was really nothing I can do. You know, I was kind of in that no man's land where 
you know, I can try and crawl, but they're going to see me. And, you know, it's pretty much a field of sagebrush. There's no cover, you know. So at this point, I'm just glassing them. Kind of even, I remember pulling out my cow call and kind of messing with them a little bit. And they kind of mosey on to, to private property. So at this point, guy, you know, I'm thinking, you know, I just saw every elk that was in this pocket that, you know, it wasn't a very big public land pocket of, uh, of woods or land. And I'm thinking, yeah, I'm probably just wasting my time right now as far as if I'm going to find another elk. Cause I'm sure every elk that was in this pocket just moved out of there. So I go and park the truck and start walking into this uh, section here and kind of heading uphill a little bit. And, uh, I probably only walked, I imagine thousand yards from my truck and, and, uh, kind of just glassing around. I happen to look over to my left and there's a, lo and behold, there's a, a cow by herself kind of heading over in the vicinity I'm in. And, uh, she's on public land. She's out in the middle of the sage right now while I hear a cow calling. So with that being said, I kind of get set up and take about 20 yards and I pull up my cow call and, and started cow chirping, man. And, uh, you know, it didn't take her but two minutes. And you know how that feeling is once you hear that timber crashing and hearing the sticks popping, it's, uh, it's, you know, it starts getting real there. Yep. So I, of course I start ranging some, some areas and, uh, you know, with elk, man, I don't know what it is, but it seems like so many times I've been busted during archery season, you know, if you don't get that draw back when their head's behind, you know, some type of object, it seems like, you know, they got that sixth sense that we don't have and I always get busted. So I kind of ran in some areas and she kind of, uh, you know, came in on a string to say, and uh, I think about 20 yards pulled back uh, as she was going through some, some brush and she come out to an opening and um, by the time she looked over, she stopped dead in her tracks, but it was too late. Um, so I ended up uh, making a really good shot on her and, and knew I hit her pretty well. And um, I think she you know, only ran about 60 yards and uh, expired, man. And uh, it was just, you know, like I said, I take just as much joy in taking a, a beautiful cow as I will a, a bull, you know, especially if you bow in hand, man. I mean, you know that feeling. And I, uh, you know, I'm happy to get out. And uh, yeah, she expired real quick, just like any archery hunter, any hunter likes to see. And I know we could talk on this topic for a while, but, um, you know, it was with a mechanical broadhead. So <laughs> and I know we can get on tangents about that. So I just recently switched to those last couple of years and they haven't failed me yet. And the ones I'm using and, uh, they've done their job to the fullest and she didn't run far. And, um, there was quite the blood trail as well. So, um, I ended up harvesting a cow and getting her taken care of and calling some buddies. And uh, I was the first ever elk that I was able to get out whole and never play minutes. It's pretty cool. <laughs> that uh, so that mechanical versus fixed thing. It, you know, I was I shot mechanicals up until last year for I mean for probably the last five or six years, and and for what I'm hunting here in California, you know, they've done me well, um, and I was very mm-hmm. reluctant to switch to fixed blade, um, but I ended up making the switch, and then when I was there, I would say. 90% of the guys that I talked to were all shooting mechanicals. Yeah. You could go for days, man. And you know, as well as I know, you know, unfortunately social media, and I'm sure we'll get into that um, in today's age. I mean, you see all these hunting forums and pages and you can go on and on. And that's just 
one of the negative things about social media, you know, if you don't shoot the same bow or shoot the same rifle or broadhead, you know, everybody has opinions and we all know what they're like. And, you know, if, if, if they don't like yours, you're wrong. Or if you don't like theirs, but you know, you know, you stick the best, but what, what suits you and what works for you. And for years I used fixed, fixed blades, you know, even growing up whitetail hunting, you know, I always used the, the muzzy, uh, hundred grains, uh, the three blade and, and loved them. And, and for years out here, and I just so happened for some reason, man, I paper tuned my bow one year and, and something just for some reason, after I got some new strings, I just couldn't get those fixed blades to shoot like I was normally having on the farther distance. And I was so reluctant to change, man. I mean, you just like anybody with any type of gear, I mean, you Google, you research, you read up, you know, and then you listen to some of these guys, some more opinions uh, some have better opinions than others, you know, about mechanicals and everything like that. And I finally decided, and I was just, man, I was so scared to use them. Um, just because I've heard so many horror stories and, you know, I think we, we can name drop gear on here, right? Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, as far as yeah. brands. Yeah. So, you know, if anybody, you know, and I, I still catch flack to this day, but, uh, you know, I, I went to, uh, I just went to the local archery store and bought a, a pack of, uh, rage, hypodermics just the the two inch cuts and uh, they kind of switched from when i recently you know in my younger age you know when rage came out the the bands that they used to keep them um the, the blades closed you know that was my biggest concern you know if i if i release on this animal you know just like any archery hunter i don't want to wound an animal you know are these blades going to get released prematurely and you know and i've seen other you know horror stories before and videos where you know those bands break and uh, those blades expand before the, they, they make impact with the animal. And that was just my biggest concern, man. And so I finally went with them and, um, you know, I've, I've taken, you know, three or four elk with them and antelope and, and deer, and they haven't uh, proved me wrong yet, you know, and just like anybody says, man, you read all these forms and stuff like that, but it, it truly is for the most part. I mean, equipment does have some good, but with our tree, man, shot placement, I mean, you can, you, we can tell horror stories all day long. You know, I've unfortunately hit some animals and not proud of it, but never found them. And I know it was because I made a bad shot and there was just nothing I could do at the time. You know, you get, makes you sick at night knowing that you wounded an animal, but it happens, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I you mean, know, you could have the best, hunters, the best equipment, right? You could have the, you know, the, the $1,200 bow, um, you know, spend, drop, you know, 200 bucks on half a dozen arrows and, you know, go top of the line broadheads and you don't have a good shot, man. That's all she wrote. I mean, it, it really boils. Yeah, down to absolutely, man. And it, yeah, preparation and, you know, whether it's outside elements and I mean, you just, it's a whole different ball game when an animal steps in front of that, that pin site, you know, compared to, to shooting at a target. So, you know, I, I, I've used fixed blades before and, and, and unfortunately wounded or, and not found some animals. And as hunters, you know, we, we need to give that effort to, to do the best we can to locate that, you know, uh, that animal to ensure that, you know, you try your hardest to find the animal. But I've unfortunately um, hadn't found some that I hit with fixed blades before. But I went to these uh, mechanicals, you know, these rages and, um, you know, I catch a lot of flag for it, but I just, I can't, I can't switch, you know, um, as far as accuracy and, and what they've proven to me as far as what they do on animals, um, until otherwise, man, I'm just going to stick with what I know. So, and that's what yeah, it amounts so I end to, up, right? uh, I mean, that's, that's at yeah, the end abs- of the day, abs- what's working for you. 
Yep, absolutely, man. Like I said, like we said earlier, man, if it's not fixed or excuse me, not broken, then, then why yeah, fix it? it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that was my first experience ever getting, you know, I see all my buddies and some of these other guys I know getting animals out whole. And I'm like, you know, you hear these stories sometimes, but it was, it was definitely a, a lucky day and it was meant to happen. And, and, uh, like I said, I thought my, my shots weren't very good it's, it, for even seeing elk after seeing that big herd out in the open and kind of coming through that area I was just going to and ended up getting there. And I, uh, it was just one of those stories where you guys, you know, but I ended up getting the elk out hole and man, it's a whole different type of feeling. It's, it's pretty cool too, man. I'll be honest to roll, you know, rolling town with the elk hoofs, you know, hanging out <laughs> hanging your truck out. hole and people are. Yeah, and people are breaking their necks to see it and stuff like that, whether they're from state or out of state. So it's pretty cool, you know, to to see people like that. And you kind of have that, you know, that your he-man chest out a little bit, and you're like, yeah, yeah, I did that. So it's it's a good feeling too. But that that was the the first time I got the experience actually getting an alcohol, and it uh, it definitely was pretty cool not having to pack the elk out of a you know a canyon bottom for the first time. So. I end up getting her and, and, uh, like I do every year, I think I took a, a full week of a vacation. My brother came up, um, to hunt with me. I also had a buddy at camp. Um, he's not much in archery. He goes out just to kind of go. And, uh, I, uh, hit it hard, man. As soon as we got up to camp, I already kind of had camp set up and, and had left it up there and, uh, started hitting it hard every morning and evening, had my brother with me. So, you know, we were having a good time and, um, he didn't have a tag in his pocket. So, um, I give him crap till his day, man. He, he, uh, he didn't make it to any morning hunts, you know, the whole trip he was there, I guess it's uh, a little bit easier not to sleep in when you don't have a tag in your pocket. But, um, so I, I gave him crap when still do to this day, he never made it to a morning hunt, but his reply every time that he was on vacation. So, so I was riding solo in the morning hunts, but, uh, anyways, we, uh, <clears throat> And the nice thing is, man, is, is, you know, he didn't go out, but every, every morning after, you know, a morning hunt, when I get back early, um, you know, early evening or whatever, he'd kind of have breakfast made or breakfast burritos and things. So it worked out. He was kind of our, our camp cook. So there's always got to be, but, uh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't, you know, like we, you talk in podcasts, I don't know what it is about the mountains or being outdoors and camping, but food, and especially after you just worked your tail off, tastes so much better in the mountain over a fire or a camp shaft or what it is. I mean, I can eat you out of house and home um, up in up in the mountains. Yeah, yeah breakfast made, so I can't give. Oh, absolutely, man. You know, and you got that com- camaraderie as well. You know, and everybody hanging out. But there's nothing like it, man. You get back to camp and you just eat down a big old breakfast and then of course you know, you sleep and then you get up and eat some more and get ready for the evening hunt and you know I I, I love it but anyways he uh, would have breakfast made and so we went out a few evenings and uh, you know uh, one evening we went out um, located a, a bull um, and it was just kind of in a spot man that wasn't practical at the time uh, of the evening to even go after him the elk really hadn't kicked in rut yet um, it was kind of still relatively warm out, you know, I'm saying probably sixties and, uh, you know, we, we'd seen a few cows, um, nothing in that, uh, you know, like I said, I already had harvested cows. So I kind of wanted to at least set my goal on, you know, a bull elk. And, uh, 
so we located a bull one evening and it was just wasn't practical to get to him with the, the time that we had to get to him. And, um, they, he wasn't really responding to calls and bugles and, uh, and I'm no bugle master nor Corey Jacobson or, or anything like that by, by any, any means, man, I still learning to this day and kind of just made the big boy jump to the Phelps, uh, grunt tube and mouth calls compared to the primos, you know, blue reeds. And, uh, so I'm, I'm no elk calling champion by any means, but so they, they were really res- responsive to calls. And so we kind of just watched him and let him do his thing. And, and man, I don't know what it was. Um, of course, you know, went back to camp, hung out, went to bed. And that next morning, um, the temperature really dropped. I mean, I went from, you know, forties in the morning, you know, 45, forties to, I think it got down in the twenties. And I think, guy, that was the the switch right there, man. I mean, this is probably September sixteenth or seventeenth. Yep, and it, it turned it on. And you know, I wish my brother could have been there, but I went out that morning. Of course, he didn't get up because he was on vacation. And uh, I went out there by myself, and I uh, ripped the bugle off, man. And it was like Jurassic Park. I mean, I had him, <laughs> I had him coming from everywhere, and I'm just. You know, first of all, I'm just taking that sound in because there's nothing quite like that. You know, that no wind and the dewy mornings where you hear, you know, you're bugling elk. There's, you know, that's what we do it for, especially in September for elk. So, you know, it it was like a switch and I had elk, you know, bugling all around me. And I kind of head to this this point that I kind of always go to and I'm kind of looking in glass and don't really see stuff. I'm kind of in some heavy, heavy timber and. And uh, I, I let another bugle off. And at this time, I, I probably closed distance from when I heard the first bugle, probably, you know, a thousand yards. And I, I dropped down and uh, started making, making my way down the, the mountain, you know, just like any other bow hunter or hunter. Once you hear that, you kind of, you know, have a, a come to Jesus meeting. You know, do I really want to do this? Because if it doesn't work out, you know, I have to go back up. <laughs> and uh, it was some it was some pretty nasty terrain, man. But, uh, you know, me being uh, how I like to hunt, I, I send it. And, uh, you know, I go down down in there and, and I, I let another bugle off and, and I could just hear the sticks raking and, and breaking. And, you know, at this point, I, I knock arrow and start ranging things. And I uh, had a couple cows come by me and, and uh, seen some antlers in the, in the brush. And, uh, you know, for me, that was good enough, you know public land over the counter tag and uh kind of glanced to look at him real quick and he kind of looked like he was probably a small six point and i was completely more than happy to take that and harvest that so um he just didn't didn't work out didn't come down the shooting lanes and were expected and a couple of the cows did and that didn't work out so i'm i'm kind of a little bummed but i still hear bulls bugling below me so i kind of start cow calling like crazy and and they're still responding and I'm here. I'm still here out within distance. And, uh, next thing I know, I kind of look up and I had the spike in full velvet. I mean, he walks right by me and, uh, with already taking that cow, I kind of, you know, wanted to at least get a, a little satellite bull. That was kind of like my goal, you know, nothing, you know, that was going to land me on the Western hunter magazine by any means, but you know, I just kind of had my goal set and, uh, that spike came by and it was just cool, you know, and, I have the GoPro and of course I forgot to hit it just because how close he was and how everything played out and how fast everything happened. But I mean, he was probably, 
eight yards from me in full rut. I mean, and it was just cool. You know, he sat there and stared at me and kind of realized that something wasn't right and took off. So I cow called back at him. He turns around and looks and kind of goes back to his normal thing. So I'm sitting there and, and meanwhile, there's still bulls bugling below me. And, uh, I hear some more sticks break. I start cow calling bugle, you know, comes right back at me. I cow call a little bit more and, you know, a few minutes pass and I hear sticks starting to break and, and I can tell these elk are getting closer. Well, um, about 30 yards from me, man, I just hear this elk bugle, you know, and I'm like, holy crap, you know, this guy's close. And at this point, I, same thing, kind of seeing the antlers, but this time it worked out. He came in the shooting lane um, that I kind of had picked out in the area. So I drew back uh, as he's kind of walking through, and I could tell he was, you know, a little satellite bull, and he was probably about 15 yards, man, and he walked out in the opening, stopped, and I was able to, uh, man, put it right in his boilermaker, and um, I just smoked him and heard the smack, and, uh, you know, the first thing I'm thinking, I was like, Corey, man, why, you know, cause he's, he hasn't been there for an out kill. And, uh, so I'm kind of like, man, I wish, you know, wish he was here with me, but so I'm out there by myself. And so I let it wait. And in the meantime, there's still bulls bugling, man, and all around me. And I know I hit this, this oak good. So, you know, I give a little time and I still start playing my call call just so, you know, just to hear these elk bugle and see what else is down there. And, uh, I, follow the blood trail and find my arrow and it, you know, looks like a good pass through. And I, I thought I'd hit him pretty good. You know, you're never really quite sure until you yeah, find the animal, but yep. yeah, until you lay your eyes and then see, you know, see where you hit him. But, you know, I thought I, I, I hit him good. And, and there's always that doubt, you know, here's like, Oh man, you know, what if, you know, what if I didn't, you know, what if I just, you know, so I found that arrow and I kind of sat there and, and look around and, keep following the blood trail in and, and finally I roll up on him and end up uh, taking a, a five point bull, man. And it was just a big body thing too. And, you know, I was just, man, I was excited, you know, till this day, whether it's a, a six point bull or a spike, man, it still gets me going during archery season, especially when you get one. And he was laying down there and, and you know, of course I'm by myself and I always joke around, you know, the hardest part about solo hunting sometimes is, is taking their har- harvest selfies. And uh, so I'm sitting there using my backpack, you know, and, and, and I'm a big guy, just like, you know, Kong Valley, and I'm sure we'll get into that, uh, likes to represent. You know, I'm a firm believer that, um, you know, as hunters, you know, we, this animal that we just took, you know, we need to show it as much respect, you know, that, that it deserves. So, you know, I got buddies sometimes, man, you, you know, you take too many pictures, and but I, I am, and, you know, that, the animal gave its life for us and you know that's the least the respect we can do is you know take some presentable pictures and and they're in and, and not only that they're once in a lifetime memory oh man. yeah you're not going to get you, so yeah if you could download every experience somehow man that, oh it, it's just nothing like it man nothing like yeah it. And, and, and like you know so here i am out here and you know people could actually see what i'm doing but i know i'm in the middle of nowhere they're gonna you know what the heck are you doing? But, you know, I'm setting my backpack up and breaking sticks up to prop my backpack up. And then I'm, I'm tucking in the pockets to try and set my phone on it. And then you turn the self timer on and running then you're back. hitting it. And then you're going and running to your elk and running back and trying to grab it. Meanwhile, you're, you're taking pictures where you're smiling, eyes closed. But, you know, so I, I was there for about 20, 30 minutes taking pictures, man. Living in the and, moment. Uh, <laughs> but like, yeah, living in the moment by myself, taking it all in. 
and, uh, you know, trying to get some good pictures because, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer in that, you know, that's just, you know, I'm kind of always been one of my motos and, um, things that I go by. I mean, that animal, um, deserves that. So meanwhile, as I'm doing that, of course, there's still elk bugling and I had to look down and just how it goes. You know, I kind of heard one bugle that was a little bit deeper than the others. And well, that deeper bugle, um, kind of popped its head out, you know, as I'm taking care of this animal and taking pictures and then it was a, it was a big boy. So, but that's, that's how it goes. And I was more than, more than happy, man, with the, the bull I got. And I was just pumped. So I ended up, uh, cleaning it out and I was in a pretty bad spot. And especially with some guys at camp and I had some other buddies that were camped, uh, you know, 10, 15 miles from me. So I ended up getting the tag and everything on them and, and cleaning them out and, uh, go and get some help and call back up, man, get the troops going and, and uh, showing pictures, of course, at first, and get to camp and let them all know. So we we get the cavalry, and and it, that definitely makes things easier. And I've done it by myself, and I still, like I said, the the whole work ethic thing, and by yourself, that that makes for good stories, and definitely can boost a guy's ego doing that. But if you got the help, and and might as well use it. The backup, yeah, absolutely, man. So I I call the cavalry in and and get them to uh, come help and. You know, it's a, it's a funny story. Um, you know, we talked about earlier preparation and, and whether, you know, a guy from back East, my brother's in Missouri, so he's just getting into hunting later on in his life. Um, and he's kind of uh, doing the whole whitetail thing and he's been coming out here, but you know, my brother's, uh, you know, I look up to him and been in the Marine Corps for 18 years. And, you know, I got telling these guys all oh, how badass my brother is and, you know, and we get down there and I strap them up. I said, Hey man, you want the experience, right? You know, we're each grabbing quarters and heads. And so lo and behold, I grabbed the rear quarter, man, I, he's going to kick my butt, but I got to tell it. He, uh, he starts hiking. I bet you we don't make it 30 yards up the hill and we're all in the line, man, just like a bunch of alpacas. And, uh, he goes, Hey, I said, yeah, what's up? He said, I can't do this. I said, what do you mean? You can't do this. He's like, I can't do this. I'm like, Hey dude, Hey, I got friends around, dude. What do you mean you can't do this? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I can't do this. You know, and the altitude for some reason was kicking his butt this time. And so I, I take the, uh, uh, me or one of the other guys took the rear quarter off his back and he kind of just kind of went up the mountain by himself. And, uh, so that's something I joke about, you know, one of those memories, like we say, mm-hmm. that I give him a hard time for, but, uh, at altitude and once he's, yeah, one of those, those rear quarters, man, it kicked his butt. So, we get it back to camp and get it taken care of. And of course, my, you know, my brother's wishing that he would have went with me, but that's kind of how uh, my, my archery season went, man. I, I continued to kind of, yeah, go after some deer. I had a cut, you know, about a week or week and a half left. Um, and kind of just soaked it all in, went out with my buddy, called for them, had a few close calls. They never really could seal the deal. And I just hung out, you know, enjoyed time with my brother and my friends at camp and, and still kind of went after, uh, some mule deer in some spots that I regularly went to um, with mule deer. And uh, so with that, that being said, man, I, I go into uh, to rifle season and uh, um, I just, um, like I said, we, we talk about the, the orange army and the, the opening day, you know, I love to rifle hunt too. Um, and any chance I can get out to hunt is a good day. But like we said, I was kind of dreading. I worked, was scheduled to work for opening day, had no intentions or plans. Um, 
I got a buddy in town here that owns a restaurant. Um, he's a, a very well-known uh, a trophy hunter, man. I mean, he's been in quite a few magazines. He's older gentleman, and he's been in Eastman's and things like that. And he was a guide at one point. And he just gets so wrapped up in his business that he, he, he uh, you know, he truly has a passion for what he does, and he doesn't get out very often. So I, I kind of sitting there talking and we're eating dinner it's me and some of the guys on my shift and he goes well why don't you see if a guy can cover and we'll go out in the morning and uh so i'm thinking so i started making phone calls and i swore to myself i wasn't going to go out on opening day gun season you know i like to wait till that last week the things kind of die down so here i am you know making arrangements to get somebody to come in to uh to cover for a few hours so i can leave work early and i'm on the night shift and you know, I get my my gear and things together and head out and uh, I make the phone call and one of the guys say, I'll come in. So long be old, <laughs> get everything loaded up. But uh, it, it turned out to be great. But took my buddy and we, we headed out for opening day. And uh, like I said, this guy, guy, um, he knows his animals. I mean, this is the type of guy where, you know, I'm not a score guy by any means, um, you know, but you can sit here and hold a picture and see a picture on Instagram of an antelope or, you know, just for, for example, Chad Mendez, I saw one. I mean, he shot some big, I don't know, did you see that big uh, goat he shot this yeah. year? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So just for example, man, I mean, I, hey, you know, Mike, what do you think this scores? And I think he was, I mean, he was within an inch, if that. So this guy, and, and same with Mule Deer, so he knows this stuff. So we... We end up heading out opening morning of rifle season to a spot that's very well known in the area to locals. And um, there's just a, a heavy deer population. I'd hunted a few times during archery season, just never seal the deal or really, you know, like I said, I kind of had my goals set on um, some things this year. So I just, nothing that I wanted to take. And, and of course, opening day, man, typical, you know, the zinging bullets were, you know, you talked about on your podcast before. And, and it just, you know, once daylight, it broke loose, you know, gunshots. and crazy. A few t- yeah, I mean, my buddy even took a video of kind of, and I think posted it. We're kind of laughing, but it's it's not a laughing matter. But what can you do when you got bullets, you know, and you can hear them zinging off you. And at one point, we're telling each other to hit the cover. And, uh, I mean, what can you do? But it's just like, man, why well, I said I wasn't going to go out. But, yeah. uh, no, it's nuts, so we're, we're setting, yeah, it's. So it's kind of chaos, man, but we're still taking it in, man. I mean, we're outdoors, got a rifle in hand, uh, with a good buddy, you know, what more can I ask for? You know, and I'm not at work, got out of work early, so I, I couldn't complain, but we've seen several deer, uh, quite a few bucks, uh, you know, lots of does and, and just, um, end up seeing a buck that, um, on any given day, if, if my buddy wasn't there, um, I would have probably taken without even question. Um, we end up seeing a good buck about 230 yards away. And like I said, by any means, anybody listening, I am not a score guy. You know, I'm happy with any animal, but this guy, you know, it's, he, he knows his stuff. And I pointed out and this deer's probably 230 yards away. And I'm like, Mike, this, this is a good buck. He goes, yeah, it's probably 170 inch. And I'm like, Mike, man, that's, that's probably going to be one of my biggest deers, man. You know, <laughs> like he's like, yeah. Yeah, he's a good buck. You know, he's looking after the spotting scope. He's like, but I think we can do better. I'm like, excuse me? You know, in the meantime, I I got my rifle sighted. You know, I'm just waiting for the go-ahead, you know. You know, and I got I got the safety off, the tripod sitting down. He's 230 yards broadside. You know, not really moving. It was just a 
perfect scenario for a rifle hunter. And, uh, he goes, no, I think we can find better, you know? And I'm like, like this would probably be my biggest or if not second biggest deer, you know, are, like, are you sure? No, I, I think we'll get better. We'll, we'll find better. So I end up waiting a minute or two and watch this buck and it goes over the hill and I go look at him. I said, man, I, I should have shot that buck, man. I mean, I, I don't know what I was thinking. And, uh, he looks at me and goes, yeah, I think you should probably should have shot it too. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah. He's like, yeah, dude, that was, that was a good buck. <laughs> yeah. That was a really good buck. I'm like, so, you know, at this point we heard a gunshot over the hill and uh, we could see a hunter in distance. And I don't think it was that hunter, but you know, I'm, I'm sure someone I mean, might not have, but you know, I'm just like, what do you mean, man? And, so we're kind of laughing. I'm kind of joking with him and, and Cussing him calling him some names or what. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the rest of the opening day goes by, man. And I just seen some smaller bucks and, and lots of deer. Just But like I said, I, I had my, my mindset and I had a goal set this year. And, and uh, so I ended up, uh, we, we came back into town and um, went out again on my next uh, set of days off. Uh, once with my wife, I ended up filling my doe tags. Um, and, uh, harvesting some does. Um, and then I want to say, I kind of had given up, man. Um, at this point, uh, in Wyoming with general tags, if you, there's, you know, different areas and seasons that are open a little bit longer than others, I kind of told myself, um, just because, um, I'm still a little bit Eastern at heart. There was an area in the state that, you know, allowed general tags for whitetail. And uh, I kind of had my mindset and like, you know, I'm kind of over it. Um, real deer kind of kicked my butt and, uh, you know, I'm really think I'm going to head the other side of the state and try for a whitetail this year and just use my general tag. And, uh, that evening I happened to run into my other buddy that was hanging out during archery season and he wanted to, uh, to go out, um, to an area that we went during archery season to look for some deer. And, uh, so I kind of, at this point guy, I was kind of in trouble, man. I mean, I had been gone all September you know, the first week, week and a half of October and, and the wife was starting to get a little irritated. Um, so I had to, you know, go in like any of us and kind of beg, beg, beg for, uh, that extra uh, weekend. For, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, or, and, uh, so I, we ended up getting up in the morning and we didn't, um, at this point we already took our base camp down, you know, and kind of drove to an area, got up extra early and, and drove out there and, uh, we kind of had a, you know, with, with two of us, um, unlike my other buddy, he doesn't, he doesn't hunt anymore and didn't have a tag in his pocket. Well, this buddy did. So we kind of did the old flip the coin, you know, if we locate a buck, you know, who shoots first and, um, fortunate enough for me, which at the time it didn't seem like it, he drew first. And, uh, this buddy here, man, if, if you got to know him, I mean, he's out of anybody to shoot a big deer or an animal, this is the guy you you know, I, I, I was so grateful that he got it, but I mean, this guy's the biggest crap talker in the world. I mean, he just, and so we we're heading out and we end up locating a really good buck and um, kind of, kind of hike on and check some pockets and we find this buck and, and I mean, it's, it's a good buck and I'm sitting there and of course he, he kind of points him out and I see him and I set my rifle down and, you know, I really could have, been that guy and took it out from underneath him and uh so he 
he sees it, man. And, and I, I have a hard time because I knew this was a good buck. You know, I just, it's, you know, I, and I, and I could tell in the scope that he, he had um, a little bit of trash, you know, and some character to him. And he ended up getting this deer and he, he gets it down and we get up to it. And it was definitely more than what we thought it was. I mean, it, it just had, you know, trash and on its left side. And it was just a cool deer, man. And, uh, so the, the, you know, the shit talking started, you know, I mean, I, I had to hear it for the next half hour man, how I was going to you know, have to drive home or we're going to go up to the mountain or old base camp and have a beer. He was going to celebrate. And I just had to hear it for about an hour and a half. And, you know, and I, and this is one of my best friends. So my, you know, I love him to death, but I, you know, I could have, I could have punched him. You know, I got tired of hearing about it. But, so I'm thinking, you know, let's go, whatever, you know, he, I'm, I'm happy he got a gear and I was, I was tickled, you know, but I just, I was like, man, this guy's such a shit talker and now I'm going to have to hear about this for the rest of my life. I'm like, what's the odds of us finding another deer? You know, and, and like I said, I think it was the second to the last day of the season for a rifle out here in Wyoming in our area. And, uh, so we, we checked some other areas and uh, we're talking and we kind of, get out and uh it, at this time man it was kind of crappy conditions it was starting to kind of blizzard a little bit real muddy uh visibility was, was starting to get poor just because it was starting to snow so bad and uh my buddy actually spots this deer and uh, i don't see it at first and it's in the sagebrush uh bedded down and it took me a second because i thought it was a tree and he goes no there's a buck and it's, it's a good one so I kind of look and I kind of seen the silhouette. Well, then it stands up and I go, Oh crap. You know, I'm thinking this, this ain't going to work out. He's getting ready to take off. And, you know, I try to get settled up and I, you know, I had had to, had to pick up the pace a little bit. And, um, I, uh, you know, like I said, I love to, to rifle hunt as much as I love archery hunting. And, uh, you know, I practice and do the preparation, but, um, I've been fortunate enough, man. I'm not one of these, these uh, long range shooters and nor would I, would I take the shot if it was, but I just don't, um, you know, I have a comfort zone just like any of us do, you know, with anything. And uh, I ranged them and I want to say it was 360. And I've been fortunate enough that I've only, all my rifle kills, man, have only been probably 215 in, whether it been elk or mule deer. I just been lucky enough in the right place, right time. And, and I had practice, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable and hitting targets up to 600 yards. But like we said earlier, it's, it's a different ball game when you get a real animal, you know, I don't care what anybody says that blood gets to pumping and it's just a, you know, and, and there's that factor of man, he's going to hurry up and take off, but you don't want to rush the shot because you want to make a good clean shot. So, you know, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And I'm one of those guys. And so I, I mean, I set up and got enough time and I shot and I missed man. And, uh, I just was kind of, Oh, you know, disappointed because he, he started to take off well uh, i was fortunate enough that he, he stopped and started to do a, you know a slow walk and he kind of didn't know what was going on and uh, i was able to uh put the rifle up and man um and actually to go back the worst feeling in the world and i and uh i forgot to mention this before i take the first shot you know what's a rifle hunter's worst nightmare especially in conditions like that when you pull your scope up to put it on an animal <laughs> I my scope's fogged, oh. so yeah, man. I I grab the, the lens and I'm cleaning and cleaning and cleaning. So and, you know that was I forgot to mention that that was just you know that's like old crap. As soon as you pull it up and you, so I get that cleared up and, and miss the first shot. And 
he takes off a few yards and stops trying to figure out what's going on and what he ranges him. Um, he's almost kind of the same, same range, a little bit farther out, man. And I, I dropped a hammer on him and I, um, I hit him and he dropped not knowing at the time, but my buddy was spotting for me and had the spotting scope out and he goes, you hit him. I go, are you sure? He goes, you hit him. I'm like, Chris, don't, don't lie to me, dude. Don't, I mean, he's like, he's down. I'm like, seriously, I would just, you know, I was, I was surprised to be honest with you, you know? Um, and I, I made a good shot. Um, I thought I did anyways, you know, he was telling me he was down and I just wasn't sure, you know, I, I knew, you know, after I shot, I didn't see him in the scope anymore. So, uh, yeah, sometime when I that anchor, to, man, it, it screws you up. Yeah. And, uh, I just, I, it's kind of disbelief, you know, I, I was like, man, are you sure, man? Are you sure? Are you sure he's just not? And he's like, no, he dropped. So I, you know, start making my way that way and kind of grab a few more bullets, you know, just in case. And, and, uh, I kind of walk up and, um, I kind of seen him wiggle a little bit. Um, I think he was expiring. Um, but I seen the tip of the antlers and knew he was a very good deer. And, uh, I, I put for insurance, you know, and like I said, I don't like to see any animal suffer or not. And I think he was expiring, but I just wanted to make sure, you know, and I didn't want that animal to get it back up. And, and if it wasn't expiring, I didn't want it to, to by any means, you know, I want it to be fast. So I ended up finding another round and, and seeing his head go down in the, Man, I walked up to him and and I thought he was a good deer just from seeing 360 yards out through the scope. And I walked up to him, man, and it, it was, I mean, I, it was my biggest deer to this date. And, uh, I was just in shock, man. You know, I just, you know, not only did I make this shot, but I walk up to this deer that, you know, I knew it was a, it was a good buck, but I just truly didn't know how big he was until I got up to him. And, uh, I just, it hit me. And, uh, I'll be honest, man, I, I, uh, I broke down, you know, if, if, uh, I don't know if you've seen any of my videos on Instagram, I think I posted right after I killed him and, uh, I broke down. I just, uh, you know, here I am and I'm supposed to be some tough tattooed cop and, <laughs> you know, I just, yeah, I just couldn't explain it. I don't know why, you know, I mean, I think we all have those sentimental moments where, you know, when we're out there and, you know, what we do it for and why we do it. But I just, man, I just, it just, everything, you know, I would put so much effort in to this last season, set a goal out and then just in front of my eyes to see that I did it. And there's not a better feeling in the world. Oh, it's a big deal. You man. know? And yeah, it was. And I, you know, I picked the antlers up and I don't know if you've seen pictures of my deer, but it was, I mean, he was just heavy and it was just gorgeous. I mean, it was just a tall, heavy rack dark brown it was i mean i just Holy i couldn't believe it happened i'm looking at it right now good lord yeah man, man. wow yeah. yeah so i just you know so of oh, course I, man i would have sobbed like a baby man that is amazing yeah you know it, there's there's a video and it kind of cut out but i kind of i just wanted to capture the moment because you know as hunters you know you know the reps sometimes that we get you know, and, and, and that we just, you know, what we do it for and, and why we do it. And, and some people have different opinions, but I mean, I just, I, the reason why, you know, and I, I, I knew I might catch flack for, for, for capturing that moment from buddies and stuff, but I wanted to show the people that, you know, as hunters, we're, it's real, man. You know, we care, we truly, 
we truly do care and, and, and there's a lot that goes into this and it was just a special moment for me. So I, I wanted to capture it and, uh, you know, I was pretty emotional at the time and I just couldn't believe that everything went down and, and how it happened. And, and then I, you know, I, like I said, I had a goal and I far exceeded that, man. And, uh, Dude, that is amazing. So I, yeah. So I, I, I got very lucky. Um, there was, you know, like I said, I think hard work and preparation puts you sometimes where you need to be at the right place in the right time. But like I tell everybody, brother, I mean, it just, it's, it's luck. I mean, a lot of it's to do with luck, the right place in the right time and preparation and hard work might put you in some of those places mm-hmm. farther than others will go or things like that. But it was, it was truly luck, man. And, uh, I just, yeah, that. I just, yeah, man. So I just, I mean, so every hunter that was even remotely probably in a 10 mile radius knew I probably had just killed the deer. <laughs> because um, I yell at my buddy once mm-hmm. I get my hands on him, and uh, I let out like a scream and, and big buck down or something, and and uh, like I said, I'm sure every everybody knew it, and I was just pumped, man. I was so jacked, and I just uh, um, till this day, man. I don't I don't think you know if I top that deer ever in my lifetime, I will I will be lucky. That was but, gonna, uh, that would be a hell of an accomplishment. Yeah, man, it was a buck of a lifetime. So we, uh, you know, here we are out there one morning and, and, uh, you know, my buddy had already gotten this really good deer and with a bunch of trash. I don't know if you, you know, you flip through the pictures. He's, uh, he's got, uh, I got a picture of his deer on there. So we're, we're just like, I'm telling everyone we get this deer, you know, back and packed out. And I'm like, you know, no one's going to believe this. There's no one's going to believe they're going to, you know, they're going to ask like what trophy area did you guys have and what permission did you have to get on prior? No one's going to believe that we just shot this deer off of public land. And it was just, it was just, like I said, the right place at the right time. So we get these, uh, these deer all packed up and loaded up and we head into town and I imagine our, our smiles were from ear to ear, man, you know, and we're, we're kind of driving through town. And of course we have the, kind of the, the racks hanging out, you know, and passing people and going a little bit slower than what we usually would to get back home or back to camp, you know, but, uh, man, we were proud and it was just, it was an epic day. I mean, there's nothing else to explain it. It was one of my best days of hunting ever. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not a score guy. I know you've heard me say that five or 10 times, but of course, unfortunately, one, wait, let me, can I say it? What's it? Can I say it? Yeah, absolutely. 189, yep, brother. 189. That yeah. is just crazy. Yep. So 189 and 5.8. So, you know, everybody, and I think, you know, social media is the blame, you know, with the score and, and everything like that sometimes. But, you know, in town, um, you know, everybody's wanting to know. And we got a Boone and Crockett guy in town here. I'm, I'm fortunate enough to live in a city that, you know, we have a big buck contest. And you go to your uh, one of the local uh, car washes where he's a, a big uh, hunter there and you do a, you know, enter in your elk and deer and stuff like that. So, you know, of course I want, I was proud, man. Heck yeah. First you know, what place. else, what else? Yeah. Yeah. So, so what else could I say? So I'm, I'm part of, you know, I'm pretty lucky to be part of a, a good hunting community. So I end up having to get it scored for that reason. And, and the guy, you know, we can say it all day long, but you know, I kind of wanted to know, you know, I'll be honest with you. I won't BS you. So I got them scored and ended up winning the big buck contest. And uh, so I was, I mean, 2018 was, was epic. 
for me. Yeah. Sounds um, like it, man. I mean, that's a lot yeah, of time in the woods, right? I mean, you can't, uh, yeah. you can't replace that, you know, that, that's no, you, you can't, man. I mean, every year is every year, you're, you know, there's every there's a certain memory that sticks out or, or comes to your, to your head and in, in, in upcoming years to come, you'll make more. But I mean, each year there's just something every year, whether you, you take an animal or not, there's just something that sticks out in your head or, or memory that might be better than others. And that was definitely one for the books there. Yeah, but, uh, awesome. you know, I, I filled all my tags, filled all my big game tags. Um, and I don't know if you've, if, you know, follow my Instagram and stuff on the last couple of years, uh, just being in the hunting community and, and the relationships that hunting itself or, you know, conservationists or anything creates, I ended up meeting a guy about four or five years ago and, and to this day could um, easily call him my best, one of my best friends that hooked up the guy that runs hounds um, and, and chases mountain lions out here. Um, you know, I hear somebody's podcast, you know, or you, you know, you, you talk to some of these guys and that's some of their, their big fears, man. But it was at first, but uh, I think I, I think grizzly bear definitely uh, scares me a little bit more than a cat now, kind of knowing their behavior and stuff. But, I got hooked up with a guy uh, that runs hounds. Um, he's a true houndsman and uh, started cat hunting about four years ago and kind of, kind of went with him to show him. And, you know, obviously it was, it was a bucket list animal of mine, man. And, and especially with a bow. I mean, I had my, my heart set on one of these days, you know, harvesting a, a mountain lion with a bow and uh, kind of got to get hooked up with him and start just going with him and hanging out and just seeing how things work. And, um, man, if you, you ever get a chance, you know, there's a, a lot of uproar in a lot of states and other areas and, and about uh, hunters using, using hounds. But, man, I ensure you and everybody else that's listening, I mean, those guys are truly in it for the dogs. Um, I just know they catch a lot of flack sometimes. And even right now within Wyoming, um, in our community, unfortunately, there's been some things brought up about um, houndsmen chasing mountain lions but you know i i got to go with them and see how the dogs work and there's nothing more amazing man that's what than, i everybody than, says and, that i talked to said it's something magical about it dude yeah it is man and and just seeing how he works with his dogs and, and all the preparation i mean you want to talk about preparation hard work i mean it's a lifestyle it's not something you just do and i mean you have to put you dedicate a lot of your time and devotion to those dogs and, uh, you know, I got to learn the ropes and see how the dogs work. And, and I went for uh, four years with a man and I stuck it out. I mean, um, if anybody's ever, um, been mountain hunting, I've been, I haven't been sheep hunting, but, um, where we kind of go is sheep country. Um, if you, like I said, if you, I'm sure if you click through, I, I post a lot of pictures of sheep. So, um, you know, it's sheep country and I, I hear a lot of people say, oh, I, you know, I want to go lion hunting. And, uh, you know, that's one of my goals. And I mean, I've never done anything more physically demanding in my life, you know, and I, uh, I would like to think, you know, with some of the career things I've witnessed or done or, or, you know, um, you know, I used to compete in bodybuilding when I was younger and I took a lot of dedication and devotion and hard work, but I, you know, I repeat, man, I've never done anything more physically demanding than mountain hunting, you know, and I played a lot of sports growing up. And, uh, you really have to, you, you have to be prepared. And, uh, so I, I stuck it out for four years with, uh, my buddy here, um, Steve. And, uh, I'd never seen a cat. We never even cut a track to let the dogs loose. 
And, uh, you know, I, I kind of got a little discouraged. I mean, like I said, any, any time in outdoors, um, is a blessing, man. I take it all in every time and, and I'll take pictures every chance I get, but I just, we never came across the track and we put a lot of miles in and, and, uh, covered a lot of ground looking for tracks to let the dogs loose. And it just never happened, man. It just never worked out. And I stuck with it. Um, you know, a lot of guys, you know, especially you get to know somebody that's got hounds, you know, a lot of people, Hey, you know, <laughs> they get hit up quite often, but, uh, you know, a lot of, I stuck it out with them. And I think it, it showed that, you know, I wasn't just in it for the kill. I mean, just the experience. And, and it was just, you know, something about it that just right off the bat, I mean, I love dogs I and mean, the wife I and mean, we don't have kids. Um, we, you know, we got four dogs and, and planning on still, uh, inquiring some more, but, uh, just, you know, a man's best friend and, and hunting and, and being out in the wilderness. I don't, you can't go wrong really. I mean, you, you, yeah. So, um, we went four years and this year after the season closed, the snow had started to fall, um, big game season, the snow started to fall, man. And, um, I mean, it was like a switch this year. I don't know what it was. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with just the population growing, um, more animals, bigger deer herds this year, bigger sheep herds. And, and, and I think that had a lot to do with them being in the area, but it was like a switch, man. And I think my second time out this year, I got to witness, you know, letting the dogs loose on the track and, and they took it and, and then they smoked this track and, and we hiked in some nasty stuff and, and grinded it out. And, um, uh, we got to the tree and you could hear the dogs jump and, you know, I, if you, you like I made earlier, I'm not the tallest guy and you know, I'm only five, five. So I'm hiking with some of these guys that are like tall bean poles and they're tromping through this knee high snow in the high country. Like it's nothing. And, you know, I need one of those ATV flags, you know, with the orange flags, <laughs> just, just, to, just to find out where I am, you know? So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, and I would, you know, like to think I'm in pretty good preparation and shape, but I'm, these guys are just, you know, tall, you know, freaking, uh, flamingo legs. So they're just, they're just grinding it. And I, I get there and I hear the dogs going and, and my buddy's like, Hey, they got one, man. So, you know, I'm just pumped. And I think it was one of those moments, like with my deer, man, I mean, if you go through, I, I videotape that and I just am smiling from ear to ear. And I hadn't even seen this cat yet, you know, just hearing that, that, that noise of them dogs bawling and treeing, um, you know, and the sound, man, the sound of the hounds and, I pumped. I mean, I, I videoed it because I was so happy just to hear these dogs. And I'm like, man, this is amazing. You know, these dogs literally tracked this animal for about 10 miles, you know, with their nose, you know, I get lost driving 10 miles in Denver in a vehicle, you know? So I'm just, I'm amazed. And, uh, so right before we get to the tree, we're in some thick timbers and pines and I can't see it. And, and I hear, you know, one of the guys were with yelling and, uh, I get there and they're like, the cat jumped, you know, and mind you at this time, I hadn't seen one yet. And I'd been going for four years and, you know, I was, I was like, Oh man, it's like, you know, somebody just stole my, my Halloween candy bag from me. You know, I just, and it wasn't even about the, you know, the, the harvesting or, or taking and killing it. I just wanted to see it to get some pictures and just to be able to, to mark it off my bucket list that I had seen one. So we, um, we get up to the tree and, course the dogs chase it off and and are on but the, the chase again man hot on them and it wasn't probably another i don't know a couple hundred yards and 
they get that cat up in the tree again and we get there and I finally get to lay my eyes on it. And it was just one of the coolest things ever in my life, man. And, um, that was it for me, man. I was, I was addicted. I mean, and I hadn't even, you know, like I said, I didn't knock an arrow or anything. I just, I, I took it all in. I mean, I immediately turned my GoPro on, taking pictures, videos of the dog and I'm hooked. I'm like, you know, um, mountain lion are just so elusive guys. Oh, yeah. I mean, a guy, a guy could walk miles and miles, you know, and an avid hunter or a hiker and, and outdoors and camping guy like myself, you know, I, I spent a lot of times in the mountains and the woods and I've never even seen one and just to now finally see one. And it just makes you think, man, how many times have you oh, hiked down this hill or, walk right you know, them. and I guarantee you, yep. And, and how many times you haven't seen them, but they've seen you. So it, it was just cool, man. I mean, it was just so elusive. And just to say that I saw a mountain lion, man, I was, I was cool, man. I mean, whether I put a tag on one at that point, it didn't matter to me and just seeing the dogs, um, you know, tree that cat and put it up there and, and sat there and, and just the barks. And I just, I fell in love. I mean, it, I, I was hooked. So we ended up, um, taking pictures and we were probably at the tree. And, and at this time we start to leash some of the dogs up because we already had chased this thing quite a while. And we didn't, if it jumped again, we didn't want to go no more. You know, we were there for quite a while taking pictures and taking it all in and, and mind you, one of the guys we're with, you know, he knows I have a tag and he goes, man, that's a pretty good cat. And at this time I didn't. So I look at my buddy and, you know, he's, he's been doing this since he was, you know, a young guy with his, you know, hounds of rain and his family. He goes, it's, it's not bad. It's, it's a female, but he, so he says, it's up to you. And, um, for some reason, man, I don't know why. I mean, it was a very, it was a big cat, you know, any, any, and this was the first one I seen. So you could have told me, you know, something 40, 50 pounds. And I'd have been like, okay, but something didn't, you know, I, for some reason, I just had no intentions on killing that, that mountain lion or, or harvesting it. I just, just the pictures and videos itself to be able to show people and, and show, you know, my wife and my dad and friends that, Hey, look, you know, that was, that was it for me. That's all. I was good. And for some reason I just, you know, he, he, he told me it was a bigger female. And if, if I wanted to, I could. And for some reason, you know, I had this other guy that was with us and, um, he was just kind of tagging along too, uh, with the other guy that had hounds and he was kind of peer pressuring me, man. He, Hey, are you, are you going to shoot that? I'm like, uh, no, I don't Man, That's a good cat. Are you, man, you got a tag. I mean, you don't, are you going to shoot that? You might not ever see another one. It's been how long? Four years and you're, you're not. Jay. I just didn't want to. Okay. Yes, sir. I lost you for a sec. You're back. Oh, okay. So yeah, so he's, you know, he's peer pressured me and you think a guy's been hard grinding it out, you know, for four winters in a row and some, the hardest and treacherous country I've ever been in and hardest hunting I've ever done. You know, I, I just, for some reason still, man, I just didn't want to take that animal. But that says and, a lot, uh, right? I mean, you know, that, that says a lot, right? I mean, just to, just to kind of put it in perspective, right? We always talk about people think, you know, that we're these, you know, bloodthirsty, murderous monsters, right? Is, is how the story goes to a point. Um, but just to get out there and be okay with just experiencing that, man, it's, it says a lot about what we really are. Yeah, absolutely, man. So I, I end up, you know, I end up not taking it, uh, uh, even out of all the peer pressure that was given. And I just went back and I think that said a lot to my buddy at the time, you know, at this time we'd been going for four or five years, spent a lot of time together. He, 
um, throughout the winters and then town. And like you said, became, you know, best friends. And I think he, you know, most people, when they get the opportunity, you know, I was fortunate enough to meet a guy and become best friends with that Hollins. But, you know, a lot of people have to, you know, pay usually for guided hunts, you know, you know, people like this don't come around. And I think that was a true, uh, not a test, but, you know, to see that, man, this guy, you know, he, I think he knew that, you know, I, there was something about it that, that I just love, just like him, you know, he, you know, anybody, nine, nine out of 10 people, you know, I would like to think would say after four years of not seeing one and finally getting to lay their eyes on it and having a tag pass one up with a, you know, bow and arrow wouldn't happen. And then, so I think, you know, he was like, man, you know, this guy's, you know, he just enjoys it like I do. So, man, we started hitting it hard and, and we had a few cats in between then and I took pictures and like, again, you know, just seeing them was just a, um, just a cool experience. You know, I didn't even need to take one. Just taking the pictures was plenty fulfillment for me. And, uh, yeah, we end up, uh, one day it wasn't the, the best conditions, <clears throat> kind of warmer, snow was melted. Some other, uh, houndsmen had already hit the area. It was kind of tracked over dog tracks. And, um, if anything, we we're just going out for a decent hike for the day and, and had the dogs and hiked uh, a couple miles and, uh, one of the dogs kind of um, sounded off and the other dogs were kind of over another ear sniffing around and, and uh, he took off while these other dogs took him. And I mean, they're just, they're, they're hitting something hard and they're just, I mean, they're just ripping off barks and they're, they're balling and uh, we kind of are in a hurry and we need to, you know, see what they got. And we're both sure, you know, we think they got something and we kind of get up there and, um, my buddy goes, yeah, they got a cat. You can kind of see the tail swinging in the tree. And I'm, you know, I'm just jacked at this point because this is like the eighth cat that we've seen, you know, this, this season already in 2018. And it was only, um, you know, like the second week of December. So we get up there and, and I, I get up to the tree and I'm like, oh man, that's, you know, that's a pretty good cat. And my buddy looks at me and goes, yeah, get arrow ready now. And I'm like, oh, what? He's like, yeah, get an arrow ready. That's this is this is a, a pretty good sized cat, man. This is a big this is a big time. He's like, you've you've been holding out, and uh, this is this is definitely you don't want to pass this one up. So we're, we're kind of gathering dogs up, and and again to go to speak on houndsmen. Uh, my buddy's um, very particular and has one rule, and that's to lease your dogs up um, if if you're going to harvest a cat, because unfortunately, you know, dogs there's a possibility if the cat's wounded, you know, they could harm the dogs or or even worse, you know, so that's his, his rule because these dogs are his life. So we're, we're leasing these dogs up and man, I had the GoPro because, you know, I, I just, I don't really have a lot of intentions on harvesting a lot of mountain lions, you know, this, or the chance might not come up again. So I, I, I turned the GoPro on and of course I forgot to hit the record button. Um, and, uh, so I, I draw back and, um, end up connecting really good and hitting this, uh, this, cat and, and it fell at the base of the, the tree and it was drt man i mean it didn't run or anything it was it was done that rage had really put a hurt on him and it was just um i mean it was if not the most memorable hunt of my life and to make things so sweet i hate to backtrack but about a week before we treat up uh two cats before this and it was kind of a long fiasco man and, and one that we're pretty sure it's this big time but i was face to face with the same cat about a week earlier and couldn't get the dogs leased up in time and it jumped and the dogs got up, you know, those dogs can get places. Humans oh, aren't amazing. made to go. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. So, uh, to, to just shorten up this portion of it, I kind of forgot, but 
I ended up getting face to face. We're pretty sure same area and same cat, um, eye to eye with this. And I couldn't get the dogs leashed up and jumped and it took us on another chase. And, you know, once those dogs are loose, there's no turning back, you know, you gotta, you gotta get them. So, yep. And we ended up getting in the spot. My buddy took the dogs back and, um, to the truck and I, I go to get one single dog. And, um, that was, you know, the most near death experience I've ever had as far as hunting, man. I always, you know, some of these horror stories we hear guys, you know, uh, you know, unfortunately passing away sheep hunting and, and you kind of always kind of question your, your ability or their ability. Like, you know, how could you do it? But it, it, it can happen, man. Um, yeah, I got up in some nasty country and some spots that you could go vertical, but you couldn't get back down. I mean, and it was like a game of chess and I got up in some nasty stuff and I, um, thank God I, I end up, uh, just like in the movies, man, kind of lost some, some footing and reaching for rocks and sagebrush and pulling. And I, I, uh, I fell about 10 feet man um, down uh, like a cliff. And I thought for sure, I mean, I, I thought that was it when I fell and I didn't know if I was going to stop once I landed or if I was going to keep going. And it was just, it was a bizarre experience. So it was, it was kind of personal with this cat, man. Um, because, you know, I, I had a, a heck of a few weeks before that on that experience and, and we ended up getting some, you know, like I said, in some nasty terrain and search and rescue was starting to get called and our wives, you know, were starting to get called and I had a little bit of service and, um, buddy called and I told him I fell and I lost service. So he's thinking that, you know, something's seriously wrong. So yeah, it was definitely one of those ones for the books that I'll never forget, but you know, we're, we were pretty certain that this was the same time. So, um, I ended up, you know, getting that, uh, that cat in the tree. And like I said, it was quick and ethical and, and down and, and we, uh, it was just, it was an undescribable experience, man. I mean, to, to take a mountain lion, with a bow and arrow, um, that was kind of a, a dream hunt of mine. And to finally, uh, you know, check it off my bucket list. It was, it was amazing, man. So that's a hell of a uh, season, can, man. Yeah. So that was my 18 season. And, uh, you know, I know there's a, a lot of uproar about trophy hunting sometimes and things like that, but you know, I, I uh, I had to try it because I heard, and I know you had spoke on it before, but, uh, you know, I, I packed out, uh, um, the cat on my back and I mean, it was the coolest thing ever, but it was one of the hardest things to pack a, you know, big old cougar on, my, on your back miles on end because I kind of wanted to get it out whole just so we can, you know, kind of show it off a little bit and show my wife <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, get some measurements and things like that. And, and, and like I said, kind of with that buck experience, I mean, you drive through town with a mountain on the back of your truck. I mean, it was like, you know, I was on Rodeo drive, man. And I was a celebrity everybody was stopping to take pictures because you just, you know, they're so elusive and it's just not something you see every day. And, uh, you know, I took that, uh, I didn't want to mess with it. I didn't, didn't really know. I, you know, I've done a lot of elk and deer as far as, uh, processing and things like that. But, um, you know, I wanted a life size mount. So I took it to one of our local processors and I kind of take it into him and he kind of goes, all right, you know, you want me? And I said, yeah, can you push it up? He goes, what? I said, yeah, can you, can you push it up as well? And he's like, the whole thing? I said, yeah, man. So, um, you know, I'd heard it always tastes like pork and it was the same consistency. And, and, uh, man, it's some of the, it's some of the best meat I've ever had. You know, just like I think Caleb said in one of your podcasts, it's the other white meat and it, it's good, man. I mean, I, I think once you get past the fact, just like he said, um, that it's a cat, but, you know, my wife, um, she, she tried it and liked it and in laws and, 
Um, it's, it's some of the best meat I've ever had. You know, I, I honestly like to say it's right, right next to elk for me. So, you know, it just goes to show you, you know, yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and like I said, you know, the reputation sometimes of trophy hunting, whether it's bear or mountain lion, you know, it causes uproar, but, um, you know, it's just one of those things. I think that, that term is used by people that don't know. Right. I mean, yeah, we set we set and 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 you've said it just about you know everything about your 2018 season, which was freaking epic. Um, that it's misused, right? We 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 set a goal for ourselves, whether that's you know that that 189 inch mule deer, um, yeah, it's a trophy, right? Or you can you know you shoot you shoot your first whitetail or your first mule deer, that's a trophy too. I mean, I, I just think it's misused. Um, by people that just don't get it right. I don't think there's anything yeah. in particular wrong with it. You know, if we're setting those goals and it's just something, you know, it's like an evolution of things, right? You, you, you want to, you know, you yeah, want to try right. and get that, you know, with the elk, you want that monarch, right? That big herd bull. So, so one thing. Yeah, I that, just, oh, no, I just, I just think, you know, a lot of this, um, whether people are anti-hunting or anti-troping hunting, you know, you read all these forums and see these comments, and, and I try not to be that guy and I'm not that guy on the internet, but every once in a while, man, I think it's just, you know, being a type A personality, you got to get in there and, and I guess you would call it trolling a little bit on the internet. And, you know, when I get on some of these, these forums or pictures and pages, you know, I always post a picture when people are on there talking about mountain lion and I, I post a picture of my package mountain lion, you know, pack straps, steaks, chops, hamburger, and, you know, just to show them, you know, I don't talk too much crap, but you know, Hey, you know, it is, it is edible and it's not just trophy hunting, you know, and then there's more to it than to eyes view than what you think. Yeah. It's that, that's some work so, man, to get after a cat. So one of the things yeah. that I want to touch on, man, is you're, you're in a, in law enforcement, man. And it's come up a few times and I've talked to a couple guys and how does that, how does being out there, man, in, in God's country and chasing these animals, man, how does that serve you? in that line of work, right? It's a lot of stress. You know, you see a lot of, a lot of horrific yeah, things I mean, deal with a lot. How does it, how does it serve? Yeah. You? Yeah, man, it's, it's a, for me, it's a must, you know, um, everybody has their different outdoor activities, you know, and thank you. You know, I, like I said, I started in law enforcement when I was 21, you know, I'm 30 years old now. Um, my brother's been in the Marine Corps and for 18 years and anybody else listening that's in the military or law enforcement, um, thank you for your service and, and if what you do does not go un unnoticed. And, um, but yeah, I mean, to go with those career fields, man, there's, there's things, you know, whether it's, you know, you go to the gym or whatever, if you want to hike, snowshoe, snowmobile, everybody has, you know, they're out and, and it's a must, you know, because, um, there's times, um, it's a stress, stressful, whether you're in military or law enforcement, there's you, you, um, see see a lot of things that your average person does not see um you know um and i would never or i'm sure a lot of them would never wish that anybody would have to see so you know you have to have some way you know some outlet that gets you outside of that box and and to me man you know my my wife and, and i'm sure some guys listening whether it's military or law enforcement you know i get yelled at and she'll listen to this and she'll say yeah you're you know, exactly. You know, this is what I'm always, you know, even talking about, but whenever I go anywhere, man, I, there's always, I'm always looking, I'm always on guard. 
So, you know, when I'm out in public and, and we're in Walmart or anything, you know, she's telling me what to give and, and she's talking to the side of my face all the time, you know, and, you know, she might think, you know, she, when she listens to this and I'm looking at, you know, some girl in aisle five in the, you know, the soup aisle, but that's not it, man. I just, I'm always on guard, um, you know, and just, so that's my outlet, you know, I can kind of let my guard down out there. You know, the mountains is just like a lot of us is my happy place. Um, you know, I can go let my guard down and, and, and kind of just uh, be a normal person, you know, um, you know, law enforcement today's age, I mean, you're well aware of the scrutiny. I mean, there's bad apples in every career and whether you work in law enforcement or, or sell insurance. Um, but you know, there's, there's a lot of things that you have to overcome and in the military and the things you see. And so that, I mean, it, it truly is my outlet, you know, I can let my guard down be me, um, being that, you know, I'm not in a huge town. Um, Rollins is you know, around 10,000 people. And then that's a big transient town. So, you know, we're for workers and things like that, but you know, I can actually, I can let my guard down, man. You know, I can be myself, you know, cause normally, um, you know, especially in law enforcement, um, we're in a glass house. We do. So, you know, you can, you can actually lay back and, 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 and just enjoy everything and, and get your mind off things. And you don't have to, you know, for me, um, I can let my guard down a little bit, you know, there's always that, that instinct, but, uh, you know, you have to have an outlet and, uh, you know, I, I know we hear the term a lot. Um, and some people might use it more loosely than others. Um, but PTSD is real. Um, you know, with, with military law enforcement, you know, my wife's a nurse, you know, uh, paramedics. I mean, there's all there, it's in all types. It's not, you know, just one specific. I mean, there's those career fields and professions. You see things that the normal average citizen doesn't see. And you have to have something that gets your mind off of things like that, you know, and um, I'm not speaking on myself by any means, but you know, there, if anybody's listening, if I can get any message out, you know, there's, there's outlets as well. You know, there's, there's uh, programs, there's people to talk to. So if, if that's an issue, you know, make sure, you know, I, I please, you know, reach out if, if you need somebody to talk to and, you know, you can hit me up on Instagram or Facebook after this, man, I'm more than happy, but you, you know, there has to be some type of outlet, man. And, and the mountains is, is my outlet. It's, it's my happy place. I can forget, you know, what happened at work at home, not even just on the job, anything, you know, I can just forget it all. And I just go out there and take it all in, man. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. I think it's pretty important, man. You know, the, our servicemen, our first responders, you know, there's people that, you know, and I don't know, I, I'm not that guy. Right. But I've seen the effects of it. I have guys that work for me that, that uh, were in the service and, uh, you know, hearing their stories and talking to them and seeing what they go through with it, man. I think it's important people know that, you know, there's an outlet there. And most guys that I talk to that deal with it well are always willing to, uh, you know, lend that helping hand, man, to help guys through that. So, yeah, like I said, it's, you, you have to have it. You're, there has to be, you know, some switch that you flip on and off, whether no matter what career you do to, to be able to kick back and, and take your minds off things. And I, and you know, I, I think hunters and, and hikers and outdoorsmen is, you know, there's a lot of, you know, uh, ex-military or, or, uh, current military and first responders that, you know, I would like to think, take part in it. And, uh, I would like to think that there's a lot of them that, you know, 
just like me. It's it's their outlet. It's their their getaway. Their their happy place. Appreciate that. Um, so this is a collective episode, man. So Kong Valley Collective, you are part of that. Why don't you give us uh give us your take on Kong Valley and why Kong Valley and what made you jump on with those guys and give us your give us your Kong give us your Kong talk, man. Okay. Yeah, I uh I actually <clears throat> I got hit up. I like I said, I told you earlier before we went live. I'm fairly new. I'm maybe a year now on Instagram. Um, so I, I kind of got on there and, uh, I don't know if you follow him or not. It's, uh, I think, believe it's CK Royal times, Charles, um, before I, yeah, before I moved over here on the Southwest part of Wyoming, he lived in the area where I lived and, uh, you know, I kind of knew him there, became, um, Instagram friends kind of followed each other. We both like hunting and outdoors, hiking and fishing and all things like that. So he kind of hit me up on it and I just wasn't sure, you know, I, I've heard you talk in other um, uh, other podcasts, you know, I, I thought it was just the typical, like, you know, Hey, you know, I'm going to be an ambassador. I might get a free t-shirt. I might get a hat out of it. I might, you know, you know, the typical, what's, what am I going to get out of this deal? And, and, and that's not the way I was thinking, but I just, you know, and, and like you spoke before, sometimes it's hard and I'll admit to it when some of these companies, you know, started getting out and going, I, you know, you know, like Jamie was saying in your podcast, you know, you wanted to be a pro staff and things like that. I wanted to, I never did it, but it's easy to get wrapped up in today's, today's world, you know? And, uh, I just, you know, I follow a lot of uh, brands on Instagram and Facebook. And, you know, at first when he told me about it, I didn't know much. I just thought it was the, you know, the typical, Hey, I'm going to be, you know, get a t-shirt and, and, uh, have the deal and have to make some posts and things like that. So I kind of just didn't really do my research and Jimmy um, had hit me up on messenger because uh, Charles had, had told him about me. And to be honest with you, man, I kind of, you know, just looked at it for a sec and, and man, I, you know, too busy and, and just thought it was the typical, you know, like I said, um, the company or, or representation that I, yeah, exactly. That I, that I just, I wasn't sure about. And I'm, I was like, man, I, I'll think about it. And, uh, you know, I, I'll be honest. I, you know, um, being real with everybody and, and you, I just like, yeah, I'm, I'm good, man. You know, I just, I'm not going to go on here and try to rep some company just so I can get a, a free t-shirt out of the deal and or you know, a free hat. You know, I just, that's not me, man. I'll just keep doing my thing. And so uh, a, a couple months went by and, you know, I'd seen some posts and finally liked the, the page on Instagram there and, and kind of started to see what they're about and reading. And I'm like, man, this isn't just your average you know, outdoor industry company or, you know, what just the normal stuff you would read. I mean, the, all this content behind the, the pictures and, you know, I started to read into the mission and what they were about. And, uh, and these were just your average everyday blue collar, uh, you know, workers, um, just like they've talked in your other podcasts. And, uh, so I started to do a little bit more research and at the time I, I kind of hit Charles up and, uh, Jimmy up on the messenger again, in the group chat and, and uh told my wife about it and uh i said man this is this is pretty cool you know these guys are going somewhere you know i'm just reading and checking out everybody that's involved and and what they're about and i told my wife and you know and she, she of course supported me and and i hit them up and jimmy said that they uh, kind of weren't uh looking for any more um 
any, any more people to be involved at the point that they were kind of at a standstill and trying to get some things figured out. And, uh, I was pretty bummed, man. Oh, oh, yeah, I was completely bummed. And I'm like, man, I just, I missed it. You know, this is, this is something special. I can't put my finger on it, but I know this is going to blow up and, and what these guys stand for and, uh, the content they're putting out. Um, you know, this is, I wish I would have done my research a little bit more. You know, I, I, I wish I would have sat down and took the time. And now that I did, it's too late. And a couple, a couple months went by and uh, I kind of was bummed out and kind of went down with my normal routine and, and Jimmy hit me up, man. And, and I uh, said, Hey, I kind of seen what you're about. And uh, I, I think you'd be a good fit and get your message out. And I, and, and that's the unique thing about Kong Valley collective. And, you know, you've seen it guys. There's, there's just, different backgrounds and different styles of, of every type and form of shape of outdoors hunting there is. And that's the great thing about it to get the message across. And, uh, so Jimmy, you know, kind of introduced me and, and said, yeah, man, we'd like to have you. And, and I was honored, you know, I said, yeah, I'm, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I never told him, but I wanted to apologize. Man, hey, I, I wish I would have took you up sooner. No disrespect, but, uh, I apologize, but man, I, I won't let you guys down and uh, see what you guys are about in the content. Um, I'm on board. Like I said, you know, Kong Valley's mission is bridging the gaps and uh, uh, bringing things to the limelight. And uh, I think each individual has a different story, story to share. And, and, you know, and the biggest thing for mine, when they asked why I was different than others or what type of content, um, you know, I explained to them that I wasn't, you know, I wish I was raised in a you know i'm thankful for where i came from but you know i think a lot of people get this this image that in order to be you know sometimes uh and whether you're hiking hunting conservation if you take part in that um the camping that you have to be from you know uh, the country or the you know rural area and that's not the case man you know i grew up in uh, flint michigan and um it's if anybody uh, knows a little bit of history it's a pretty rough area um, high crime rate. Um, uh, it's just the jobs and the out there. Um, uh, it just, it's a rough, rough area. Um, I'm thankful for where I came from, but I think a lot of people, you know, think that you have to be from, a, you know, you, you, you see these pictures and stuff. Well, this guy lives out the country and he gets to go out in his backyard and do this. And, you know, my, my uh, content was going to be that you don't have to be, you know, from a certain area to take part in conservation, camping, hunting, hiking, anything like that. You know, there's so many opportunities uh, with public land, you know, and I'm thankful um, that I had the opportunity in Michigan to hunt public land. But, you know, if you get a chance, you know, and, and if I can just reach out and anybody listens to this and, and hasn't gotten to experience the outdoors, um, you know, and you're from the city, don't think that you're limited to and that, that it's not possible, you know, just take a leap and, and, and get out there and there's public land and that's what it's there for. And if you, you can experience that, there's nothing like it. And, you know, and to, to keep the, the tradition going. So that was kind of my, um, my content as, of what I wanted to really hit on and what I was going to bring to the table that, you know, you don't have to be from a certain area or any area, whether you are from the country or you're from a big city, you know, it's, it's out there, you know, it might take some others, wanted to acquire, you know, gear or, or transportation, but please, you know, even if it's, you know, on your bucket list, you know, take a chance to at least say you tried it, you know, no matter where you're from. So that was, you know, kind of my big, 
And that's important, right? Okay. I mean, that that diversity with with everybody in KVC, right? I mean, that that's and we've heard, yes, we've heard. I think this your episode is going to be episode eleven of the collective mm-hmm. episodes, right? And and we've heard from, yeah. you know, primarily the the executives at this point, right? But mm-hmm. the diversity, you know, with you, with Colleen, with Lena. It is just un it's unreal, man. Uh, Jimmy, right? He's back east. You got Dan Trout back east. Um, you know the Oregon boys, John and and Rev, and then you got Luke there in Wyo with you. I mean, the diversity is just crazy. Oh yeah, man, and and just like he <laughs> uh, get a little fired up, but J Matt, you know uh, Jonathan. I mean, like you said, we're you know I we're taking over and we're, we're getting, we're dotting our I's and crossing our T's and we're all over the place, man. And I think it's just going to keep growing. And if we could just keep, you know, spreading that message and, and that's all I wanted to do. I wanted to be a part of it. And, uh, you know, if to just show that it doesn't matter where you're, where you're from or where you currently live at or where you come from, but to, to at least to get out there and, and to try it and to, to bridge that gap, man, that, you know, you don't have to be from a certain place to, to partake in these type of activities or, or hunting or conservation or anything that nature, you know, just, you know, just try it. And, and if you don't like it, you know, that's, that's solely upon you, but at least give it a chance. And I think everybody at least needs to get the, uh, to knock it off their bucket list, the, the great outdoors, whether it be camping, hunting or fishing, hiking, someone doing whatever, just to, to say you did it, man. And, that, and that's kind of what I wanted to bring to the table. So let's lighten it up a little bit, man. You, uh, I would I would make a joke about the uh, water and flint, <laughs> but I'm not going to do so that. That's, I was going to, but yeah, it, it kinda, but I, I blame that. I blame I blame my height on that. <laughs> you know, that's what I blame my height on. Anybody is when they they say something, but I know some people could take that wrong. But yeah, they could go the wrong. That's why way. I'm only five. I'm not, yeah, I'm not going to go there, but, but we will talk about cowboy hats and vacuums, bro. <laughs> See, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so. so yeah, so man, I know if, if yeah, if you, some of you guys don't know what the guy's talking about, um, I just recently posted a video joking around and dancing. Uh, man, I'm you know, I sometimes I'm like, man, they gave me a badge and a gun, um, but. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a clown, man. Uh, there's no shame in my game, you know. I it's I've uh, from a young age. Uh, I've always liked to dance and mess around, and you know, I when I let my hair down a little bit and go to a wedding, family wedding, or somewhere I can kind of be myself a little bit. You know, you can find me on the dance floor, man. And uh, not to mention, I'm I'm usually the the class clown or the clown of whatever function we're at and the jokester. So yeah, I uh, recently posted that video and, and my wife had texted me a few times. She was out of town and, and, uh, kind of didn't answer. So she, she always jokes around. Oh, you're probably your girlfriend. Well, I was actually trying to be the good husband, man. And I was cleaning the house up. So, and, uh, that old town road uh, song just came out and it kind of just stitched in my head. Yeah. So, so I had the cowboy hat from a wedding I was in, man, and I threw it on and, uh, you know, got out there and back, even got on video, but got out there and start dancing. Uh, yeah, it was quite the hit with all my family and friends. But uh, yeah, there's definitely no sin in my game, man. I'm a, I'm a jokester, and and uh, I love to make people laugh. You know, that's uh, kind of just my life. Uh, I don't know, man. Model, you man. Might, if you I have can, a second career there, man, Chad Bracken, the dancing, <laughs> hey, the dancing five hey, zero. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> 
Hey, 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 how I pay for college is my own business, man. But, uh, so I, I, uh, yeah, I just, uh, you know, I, I truly just like to be, you know, like I said, uh, I told my one buddy, well, did you laugh? Well, Hey, my, my day's complete, man. I try to make somebody smile a day. And if I do that, by whether it's cracking jokes, dancing, um, you know, I, there's a very serious side and unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, but you know, I got to be serious at least 12 hours out of the day for the most part with what I do for a living. But, um, I like to make people laugh, man. And I like to have a good time. And, uh, so if I can make somebody laugh a day, whether it's posting a video, a joke, dancing, messing around, being a clown, you know, that, that makes my day, man. So kind of the backstory on that. Yeah. Something to be said about being lighthearted, man, and being able to put yourself, you know, in that, in that spot to, man, have somebody, uh, have somebody chuckle at you, man. There's nothing wrong with that. I just had to give you a little bit. I'm going to post that when I post this episode cover, I'm posting that video. They send it, dude. I mean, and then if any of you, you know, hey, no, I won't get into it. I'm married. I forgot. So. <laughs> yeah, <you laughs> but no, I, uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, uh, like I said, man, I'm a clown. And if I can make somebody laugh and, and have, you know, just a smirk for the day, man, that's, you know, when I leave this world, if anybody can say anything about me once I'm gone, I can like, man, that dude was funny. And he was a clown. And that's, hey, that's my goal. There's nothing wrong with being lighthearted, man good deal so um give me uh your must-have gear picks man in your pack outside of your bow or your rifle as far as um what you gotta have just, in that you know pack. gear that I, I yeah three things man that's what in I, your pack you gotta carry three three things dude all right well uh man first because i've had some bad experience i think i joke with uh, charles on one of his pictures man i'm gonna have to go with tp man keep tp's got to be in the pack now is it tp or wet uh, wipes tp or wet wipes oh you got me there i guess i didn't think about that man you know i'll I'll take that back because we kind of went in in times i would have said back you know you know 15 20 years ago when i first started hunting tp but i'd say yeah wet wipes say wet wipes because not only can you take care of business but you know clean yourself up a little bit but uh um a knife definitely um and man probably a, a good snack you know i've i've uh, went without you know pack frames and things like that before and kind of manned up but um especially out here in western hunting man you gotta you gotta replenish yourself and refuel and uh you know i joke joked around in somebody's picture not too long ago i usually have all my food and snacks eight by nine thirty ten o'clock in the morning then i'm sol the rest of the day but I, I I think that's that's key, man. Especially if you're going to be grinding out in some rough country, whether you're you know out chasing cats, you know, and hounds or elk or deer hiking or whatever, man. And and there's always that factor. If you got to spend a day or two, you got to have something to take care of yourself. So I'd have to go with that, man. You got a nice snacks and wet wipes. You're uh, go. you're in business. <laughs> Styling. Yeah. So. One of the things, man, that uh, that I chop on in every episode, man, is is the conservation quick, right, or the future of hunting. Your choice. Um, it's almost like a game show sound there. So I I do it because I just want to spark a thought, right? Get some more perspective. Um, so what's yeah. your what's your take on conservation? Where do you stand with it? What you know? Are is there any active participation in that outside of the hunting and the tax you know, purchases? Yeah, I, you know, I, I involve myself, you know, unfortunately uh, with what I do for a living, I work a crazy schedule so I can never make a lot of events, but 
um, for conservation, man, you know, there's a lot of programs out there, whether it's Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, the Mule Deer Foundation, Mealy Fanatics. Um, you know, I just recently went to the uh, Idaho Houndsman Trials in Idaho. I mean, there's, there's, there's things out there and programs um, that benefit so much um, in conservation and put back into, um, you know, the outdoors and conservation. You know, if, uh, my take is if, if you're not even if you're not a hunter, man, you know, some of these banquets and things that the, they hold in your community, you know, whether you donate your time to go fence, uh, fence post out in, uh, in the country or you can go to a banquet and a dinner, you know, if you're not into it. But, you know, um, public lands, you know, that's my biggest one for conservation of these programs. You know, um, you see these bills get passed and, and other things. And, and it seems like, you know, with today's social media and everything, like, you know, as hunters, you see a lot of negative stuff and us, you know, starting to separate whether, you know, it's, you know, opinions on bow hunting, archery hunting, you know, whether hiking, whatnot. And we all need to come together because if we don't, um, you know, there's a, a possibility that it could be taken away from us. So if you can partake in any of these programs, whether it's donating your time, you know, you can go to a benefit um, to support and protect the public lands. Um you know, please do. And that's where I try to, as far as, uh, do my part in conservation, you know, not just besides, a, like you said, buying the tags and everything like that. But, you know, I tried to, to go to a lot of these events and, and, you know, my wife enjoys it too. I'm going to some of these benefits and, and, you know, and, and I ensure you that, you know, a lot of the, most of the funds go back to what the, the, they're intended to do. And that's uh, supporting public lands. Um, because if we don't stick together, you know, we, we know there's, there's that possibility, man, that uh, that it one day very well could not be there for the next generation, or you know, your guys' kids, or somebody's kids, or their grandkids. You know, and we and we want it, and we want to keep it going. So if you can partake in some of these benefits or activities, man, do it. And, and it's a heck of a time when you do it because it's usually they're fun events and good memories. And and you, like I said earlier, you uh, the outdoors and conservation. Those are a lot of camaraderie and, and uh, you can meet new people and who knows, you know. Well, you meet the like-minded so, people, right, which I find is is probably one of the most phenomenal things when you, you know, you go to these things like I go to the BHA Pie Nines we have here and um, that's mm-hmm. a plus, man. I mean, you don't, you know, I don't, I don't drink much anyway, but, you know, going and meeting other hunters and just hearing their stories and, you know, talking to them and yeah, they're, they're fun, man. Oh yeah, man. Just, just going to swap stories itself with, with other, you know, people is just, like you said, a good time. And you, if you don't drink, you know, you get a good meal and, and talk hunting stories or hiking stories or, or whatever. I mean, you can't beat it. So. Yeah, it's awesome, man. So before we wrap it up, man, you got anything in closing you want to get out there? Um, any last words for everybody? No, man, just, uh, you know, if, if anybody can take anything away, whether it's, you know, first responders, military, anything like that, you know, if, if uh, I would just like to shed more light on that, you know, if, if you know, let it be your outlet. If it, there's outlets out there that, uh, you know, like I said, programs and things like that, but make sure you guys take care of yourself and, and not just in, um, you know, in our career field, um, you know, get outdoors, you know, you don't have to be from a certain area to, to uh to get out there and, and to grind it out whether no matter what you choose or activity you do man um it's there at least open broaden your horizon to uh to try something new and uh, that's kind of kind of my um 
what I wanted to get out there for everybody. So good deal, man. I'm, I'm, I appreciate that. And I'm sure that anybody listening, man, that, uh, yeah, is in that first responder military line, man, greatly appreciates it. So I appreciate your time, man. We're chomping at a couple hours now. Um, I appreciate it, man. I was, I was bitching here in that yeah. season. That was probably the, the most epic season we've had on the podcast uh, thus far. That's a lot of tags filled, man. So the next guy has some shoes to fill. Yeah, I'm just, just blessed, man. Like I said, right place, the right time, and and, and luckily that uh, my life landed me where I am today, and and uh, got to thank the man upstairs. That's it, man. So That's it. good deal, brother. Well, I will uh, be talking to you, man. I'll drop you a line on this uh, this episode. What's today, Monday? So you'll drop Wednesday, man, for yeah. the collective number eleven. So you get to listen. Cool, to man. Well, I appreciate you. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it, guy. I appreciate your time and and all your listeners. And uh, thank you again for what you're doing, man, for the, the outdoor community and conservation. Like I said, man, I told you the message a couple weeks ago. I mean, you're bringing raw material and and hitting subjects that other people don't touch on, and it's great, man. And keep doing what you're doing. And, I, uh, you're definitely going places and, uh, you got a fan for life, man. I appreciate that man greatly. I'm trying keep, keep these, uh, keep these heartfelt blue collar stories rolling, man. It's the mission. Right on. You can catch up with Chad on Instagram at rack and tats to learn more about Kong Valley collective, go to westerncontours.com to the partner page and follow the link. Thank you for listening. Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down.